Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with. What's happening, weirdos? What an exciting... And the dog runs up right away. Thanks. Thanks, Brody. Uh, what an exciting episode for, for me. Uh, this is Aaron Rodgers, uh, the quarterback for uh, the Green Bay Packers. Um, I know Aaron a little bit because of Rob Bell. This is a Forbes episode, believe it or not, Friends of Rob Bell. Uh, Aaron and I have a lot of shared interests, and you'll see. Even though everybody that listens to this podcast knows I don't watch football, we still manage to have an amazing and very fast uh, it went by fast, two-hour conversation, so I'm so grateful that he came in. Uh, it's amazing. Let's get to it as quickly as possible. The first thing I want to announce is that I am taping my special on April 16th in Chicago at the Vic Theater. Uh, this is very important to me, obviously. If we, if we get a good audience with a lot of weirdos, that will make the special that much better. Uh, so it would mean so much if you guys could come April 16th in Chicago. Uh, tickets are available on my website. There is an early show and a late show. I hope you can be there. I'll also be doing a bunch of warm-up sets for that. Uh, one of them is going to be in Athens, Georgia at the 40 Watt Club on April 9th. April 13th, I'll be in San Diego for two shows at the American Comedy Company. Uh, April 14th, I'll be in Anaheim with uh, my buddy Jed Apatow. And uh, that's going to be amazing. And musical guests as well. Very exciting. And on the 15th, April 15th, I'll be at the L.A. Improv for uh, Sweet Lady Val's Real Girl Foundation. That's going to be a fundraiser and a lot of fun. I forgot one on the 12th, April 12th. I'll be doing a small show at the Improv Lab. So if you'd like to see me in a intimate, small venue running this hour, come on by. All of those tickets are available at PeteHolmes.com. Uh, again, that's April 16th is the big one, is the special. I hope you can come. Uh, the ad for this one is uh, Harry's. You guys know this. Harry's just uh, sent me a my first complimentary set. I used it. I loved it. I hate buying razors. I hate using old razors. So those two kind of things are in conflict with each other. So I went to Harry's.com, and it was easy and simple and fast, and it's a great, great shave. They, say, uh, they send you everything you need. It's amazing. Harry's is the only shaving company that has both amazing quality and low prices. It's German-engineered, five-blade cartridges, close, comfortable shave, no cuts or burn, quality guaranteed, full refund if you're not happy. The price is factory direct. That means they cut out the middleman and ships right to your door. They sell the blades at half the price of the leading brand, and over one million guys have already made the switch, and thousands more switch every day. As I always say when I talk about Harry's, let's be honest, your girlfriend is probably using it to shave her legs as well. Valerie? Yeah, I do. You do. I can tell. All right, everybody. Why pay 32 bucks for an eight-pack blade of razors when you can get them for half the price at harrys.com delivered to your door? It's an amazing set and an amazing deal. For just 15 bucks, you get a razor, moisturizing shave cream, and three razor blades. So Harry's will give you $5 off your first order with promo code WEIRD. Stop overpaying for a great shave. Go to harrys.com right now. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com for you dummies putting apostrophes in your URLs. And enter code WEIRD at checkout and get shaven better. That's not their slogan. I just made that. I made that up. Uh, all right, guys. One last plug for April sixteenth at Chicago at the Vic. Hope you can be at my new hour special taping. In the meantime, enjoy Aaron Rodgers. Holy cow, he was there. He was he was amazing. Get into it. 
And I just said this. I'm excited that you're here. These are your earphones if you want them. It's up to you. Do they work? Yeah. You're number two. Mm. This is you. I like it up. Kind yep. Of. I think I just... There we go. I think I messed it up. Yeah. Yeah, this is a comic book store. Were you a comic fella? I wasn't really. Don't please don't feel pressure to nerd it up with me. I was. I Were was, you? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I like reading the comics. Uh, you mean like in the paper? Yeah, that's what I did. Okay, that was like a big deal. It was. My mom would put them out as if it was like the financial page. If you wanted your kid to be a politician, it's like she was grooming me to take life lightly. Mm. You know what I mean? It worked. <laughs> it did work. <laughs> I really. I. I'm, are, your, are your parents half uh, funny? folks uh or did you find them on your own <laughs> yeah i found them on my own what did you what, what no did you... honestly they were in the back of the sports page so Is I, that true? I read the sports page and they were on the back uh back of the sports page. well i read that that you were super obsessed with the. Uh... so here's the funny thing right with what <laughs> you and i with a lot of things you and yes. i know each other a little bit we've had a couple meals together because yeah. of rob uh but I didn't – I almost wish I hadn't researched you because, like, when no. I saw you on Saturday, I – you were – or whatever day that was. What day was that? My show. What? Wednesday? Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, Saturday. I called it Saturday. Yeah, today's Saturday. <laughs> when I saw you on Wednesday, it was like, oh, cool, like, this guy who I like and we see, we have similar interests. And then I watched all this fucking footage of you, man, and now I'm, like, reverent. It sucks. Like, you've shifted. Oh, man. I know. I shouldn't have done it. Dang it. I, I didn't can watch. Can we still go to Crossroads? Yes, we can go to Crossroads and eat the best vegetarian oh, burger. Can of we? all time. Katie, we ate these burgers. You went twice. Yeah, I went back to back days. And because... because and I, would, I almost went three days in a row. I would go after this? Yeah. <laughs> You're, you know the chef at Crossroads, which is my favorite restaurant in, uh, in L.A., but also just in the world. And it's a vegan restaurant. And because you knew the chef, they brought out like Bill Gates's company's... New veggie burgers, which I actually knew a little bit about because they have plant blood in them. I'm explaining this to Katie, and you already know this. Yes. So they figure out how to get like a blood taste out of plants, and then you eat it, and it's like crunchy, and it kind of like singes. It's it, it's exactly like meat. It was insane. It was so good. And so they good. Brought them out the second day too. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, it was so good. They put nothing on it. Yeah. They put it on bread. It was a, uh, a, a. I was like, "Come on, put some ketchup or something on it." Yeah. But it was the best part of the meal. My friend, who I didn't tell him was a vegan place till we got there. I went the next day. Yeah. And he was a little skeptical <laughs> after the burger, so he had it. He was amazed. The next day, he sent me a text. He goes, "How come I'm at In and Out thinking about that burger from yeah. last night?" And I'm like, "Because it's the best burger. It's the best of all time." And I will say that, like, it's probably just inarguably objectively like cleaner you know what i mean it's a little mm-hmm. bit more controlled as opposed to an in and out mm-hmm. burger which is probably from th- thousands of different cows little pieces here and there they're probably can focus what they're trying to make it taste like more with a plant i have to imagine i think so and i, I think if you look at uh, we've talked about this the uh, the environmental impact of uh yeah of- six thousand gallons of water for a quarter pounder is that a thing you're you are into at all i'm, I'm into more global yeah. Issues and ideas. and I feel like as a vegan, I should be able to water my lawn more. 6,000 gallons? Yeah. One burger? I have no burgers. <laughs> I got no burgers. I should be able to I should have the greenest lawn, and I should be able to eat it. Have you been getting fined? 
No, we got it on. Do the, you have a lawn? I do. Oh, I, have, I have a lawn. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of it. I saw yeah. it today. The little uh, box, the, the sprinklers, like it's on auto. I don't know how to do it, but I'm like, I thought maybe when you owned a home, you would then like learn things. Like you'd be forced to be like, well, I know how to fix stuff, and <laughs> it's just a box that says auto, <laughs> and I know to turn it off if it rains. That's all I got. It doesn't automatically go off if it rains. No, you oh, I have, have a rain, rain mode. Sensor? I do. Yeah. Really? I know it's pretty. It's exciting. Where is your house? Is it in you, you Green Bay? I'm talking about Green Bay house. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm really, uh, really happy. I I lived in the, the house I bought as a rookie for ten years and just bought a new house. So. Where? Well, the rookie for Green Bay. Yeah, yeah. So the first ten years of my career, I lived in the same house. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah. But, uh, nothing wrong with it, right? No, there. nothing wrong with it. it had great, uh, great uh, sprinkler sensors. <laughs> <laughs> that was the main feature. Yeah, that was that was what kept uh, kept me there for ten years. That's you know the sort I mean? of thing I would. That would be part of the tour. I would. Yeah. Go. The sprinklers do indeed know when it's raining, like without being told. But this the new place has you know I think one of the big selling points was it not only has a rain sensor but a snow sensor for the sprinklers. The snow I mean? sensor. Yeah, so that's really big because it could snow in April. It's crazy up there. Yeah, I've been to Appleton. I've never been to Green Bay, but I've been up there. It's near Appleton. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's the next city down. It's where all the road teams stay. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I, I There's only we, a couple hotels in the in the 30 mile radius that. Uh, I that doubt we stay, stay at the at. same hotel because this was maybe 10 years ago for me, and it was the it was, was now, it vacation. No, I was doing a show. <laughs> <laughs> if you wait till you can afford Appleton, you'll never go. Yeah, you I have know. to go now, like live your life. I uh, I, I went and and uh, it was the only time. It was a Valentine's Day show at a school. There it must have been University of Wisconsin Appleton. Is that a thing? I don't. Yeah, I think it. Uh, We'd Google it, but the internet's yeah. down. So now we're is just it, we're two guys in a cave, basically. How do people do it before? You I don't know. I have no idea. I wouldn't have been able to get here. I've been yeah. here thousands of times. I needed help. There's traffic. Anyway, so uh, what was I saying? Green Bay. Oh, I've been. Appleton, oh, and the yeah. show was canceled because the snow was so insane. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you, you you're an expert at this. Where I was trembling in the car because it was like. You weren't driving. You were just sliding. Everyone was sliding yeah. like those old shitty football games. I would have said that if, it, if you weren't the guest, as I you always say. You make a lot of sports I do. I feel like it's just around me. <laughs> nope. I probably remember that old one that just vibrated. Yeah. Like, rrr, rrr. I had that. It was, uh, what was it called? It was the weir- It was terrible, you know? Yeah, it, it, it wasn't football. But it just vibrated, and you could line the guys up. And- yeah. Or the Tecmo one? Did you have the the handheld one that was a black screen and it was just like blips? No, I played the uh, the old uh, Nintendo Tecmo Bowl. That was Tecmo great. Bowl that was, was great. pretty good. But you can only go up and down. It, it was, it, it was still at least identifiable as football. But there were a couple cheap players. Like if you were Bo Jackson, uh-huh. you could never be tackled. So you <laughs> yeah. always wanted to be uh, be the Raiders. <laughs> I, all I did, I played Madden, which if I know anything about football is because I played Madden. I, mm. I used to love Madden, and I played it quite a bit. Well, and that's I, like real football. I would throw it at, yeah. yeah, now it... Yeah. <laughs> well, now they have it. It's better now. So you have to turn the quarterback's head, or I think they maybe got rid of that. But there was one Madden game where if with the, the quarterback... Line, with the, the vision where you could... Yeah. yeah uh-huh. Did you play it? Uh, yeah, I don't play... I, I'm more of a... I like to say traditional gamer. Meaning you play football. Meaning I don't play any of the new games everybody uh, oh. you know screams about. I, I I love Halo. I think Halo Three is the really? greatest video game ever made. Really? I do. You know what? I I uh, I just don't like the aesthetic. I would rather mm. be fighting soldiers than like alien peoples. You know what I mean? See my hat. Is that a Halo game? No, it's an alien hat. Ancient aliens. You ever seen the show? Are you into it? I'm so into it. It's amazing. 
get into it. Giorgio, David Childress, come on now. Is that the guy with the weird Giorgio hair? Giorgio yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. is the big hair. He's awesome. Yeah, I he's love that stuff. I sometimes look up the old paintings where it's like so clearly a painting of like someone seeing a UFO, but we're yeah. just like, it's a sun. It's like, why does the sun have windows and a man inside? You know, like, like fucking weird <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. Are you one of those people? I, I will go so far down that rabbit hole. That if you give me an afternoon alone in YouTube, I'll be like, well, the pyramids were used as a hydrogen power plant to send energy up to a UFO that needed to refuel at Earth. I don't think that's that weird. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What what is the pull thing? What what hooked you? Like, what what do you love about it? Well, to be honest, it was uh, something that I saw. What's that? No. Yeah. This is the best. Hit it. (laughs) I didn't have to tell you to look at yeah. my elbow. Good, yeah, good accuracy. Exactly. That's a that's a great tip there. You, you, yeah, people know that if you if you want to do a good high, high five, five. But the problem is if you're going to high ten, because in which it's, which elbow do you look which, at? Yeah, you know you're gonna I mean? miss. You're one. gonna slightly miss. Do you ever just watch uh, game footage of high fives just to like you know stay sharp? Yeah, I, you know what? <laughs> but not many people high five anymore. You know, a lot of people I think were scared of the elbow, so it's yeah. really in front. It's a lot of in front, and then there's uh, some sort of uh, uh-huh. gimmick that goes along with. Where the do you in stand front, on the uh, butt slapping? Yeah, not a whole lot of that. I think uh, I'm not against. I'm it. I'm not against it. But, I have uh, to think that most people are like, it seems like it's a gay thing. But I'm like, it's just like, what's your policy? Um, you gotta love those guys. They're protecting you from scary ass, crazy dudes. Hey, look, you know, I got my hands under uh, under a guy's ass for <laughs> seventy plays a game. That's uh, you get over that uh, that whole thing. Pretty if you're quickly. on the lip of his cup, you know that's how you know. <laughs> Nobody wears just, cups. I mean, you don't wear cups. Spell that rumor. Nobody wears cups. No know. one wears a cup. No. What if you take? What if? Listen, listen. Nobody if, wears cups. I don't wear a mouthpiece. I wear a soft chin strap. What? This is you know. I'm, no cup. No, I would cup. wear a cup all day if I hard if it cup was or soft cup. I'd go for a hard. Why would you wear a hard cup? I'd want a hard cup. I fill it up like soft serve ice cream. I fill it up with my old Mosaga dick, <laughs> <laughs> and I want protection. I can't believe you're you, this amazing quarterback, are hurling like a like a diamond shaped scary thing at people's dick and balls. You could you could kill a man's chance. Well, you yeah, you'd be children. accurate. You keep you know you don't go for the yeah. dick and balls. Yeah, aim you, for you, that. Yeah, aim for that, not the nuts. But yeah. if you hated a guy, you could take him out. No more kids. Yep. What's one of your teammates' players' names? Um, What's someone you throw to? Randall. No more kids, Randall. Yeah. But Ida would be pretty mad as his girlfriend. So yeah. I think they want kids. Do they? Yeah. Well, that's really up to you. It's true. <laughs> A little bit lower, Randall. Yeah. <laughs> You're never going to sit in an armchair and be like, Rogers. Who do you throw that big Hail Mary to? Uh, the first one, Richard Rogers caught it, actually. Rogers my, Rogers. Uh, my brother. Is he really? No. 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 I'm not going to get any of those. It's okay. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. That was a good throw. Anyway, so you saw a UFO. Talk about that. <laughs> that's that's my that's my kind of thing. Uh, I'm not going to get way into it. You got to. I can't. Do we have whiskey? <laughs> scotch. Where's the scotch at? Scotch. Single malt. Any single malt scotch? Anyone? Yeah. You're you're a, you're a brown liquor. We have wild turkey. That's not very good. I saw an unidentified flying. Where Unidentified we, yeah. flying object yeah. in the sky in New Jersey in 2005. Get out and stay, but whoa. Leave? No, don't leave. Okay. You know, I have friends that have seen things. Three friends of mine were on a porch in in, uh, in New York. So, you know, similar, but Close, different. Yeah. Close. Were you in rural or, or city? Ciudad? Uh, rural. Rural. Mm-hmm. Alone? Late at night. I was with a good friend of mine. Um Multiple eyewitnesses saw the same thing. Actually, no. I checked in with him a couple of years ago. I said, "Remember that one night?" He's, and before I even finished, he's like, "Yeah, 
I think about that almost every day. Get your fire in the sky. Yeah. Okay. So just give me the backstory. Where? What were you doing? What time was it? Well, it was. I had, I had declared for the draft, so I was out there doing a, a show called Cold Pizza for ESPN, uh-huh. which turned into uh, First Take, and I had it. Uh, early in the morning in, in Newark City and uh, one of my best friends from college, a teammate, uh, his uh, his family was from uh, from Jersey, so I went over for, a, I was going to spend the night with him, he's going to drive in, um, drive me in in the morning. Uh, so I went to his folks' house and had this great uh, Italian dinner, they're a big Italian family, and, and so it's, you know, it's eight courses and he started at eight and it ends at midnight, and so we're, uh, <laughs> you know, we're winding down there and uh, there was a weird siren in the distance and uh wait you heard it as well well let me get to it all right let me get to some roundabout way of getting to the story the back story is important for oh, okay. any ufologists out there who, ufologists yeah is that what you heard a siren say? no yeah i'm just going i heard a siren yeah right in the distance so we go outside it was it was a snowy night um it was in uh i think it was in february uh and we went outside and it was uh it was one of those kind of bright uh, bright nights where uh, it's it's overcast, but there's enough light from the moon kind of reflecting off the clouds. I'm guessing where yeah. you can, you know, you can see uh, see things. And, and the next thing you know, we saw something in the sky. And how big? The only uh, way to kind of uh, make it so people can get a, a visual of of kind of what it looked like was. If you've seen the movie Independence Day, which is a great yeah, movie, sure. and they're coming out with another one. Are they? Uh, yeah. According to Goldblum, I just saw him. He's just, been a personal really? favorite of mine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just Memorial Day. Side note, I love Wes Anderson films. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love Wes Anderson films, too. <laughs> so in the night skies. Are you pro-Fox? Some yeah. people don't like Fox. Yeah. Who? Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't like Fox. Oh, Night Sky. What, Pro-Fox what? Fantastic Mister. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I... There's politics. I thought we were going down a different direction there. Is there a guy named Fox? No, there's Fox News. Or oh, I don't know yeah, where sure, you're going yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah, I, just, yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't just, know if there was some weird There's nothing fantastic about Fox News. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're in agreement there. Uh, yeah, so we went outside. We saw... Um, but it looked like Independence Day. Yeah, when the uh, when the plane is... is uh, uh, the It looks like commercial jets kind of flying. Or maybe it's a military jet. And they're kind of trying to figure out what's coming through the clouds. And you see, like... Um, just kind of a fiery movement of of cloud, I guess, mm. uh, coming through the sky, and then the, you know the plane eventually runs into the spaceship, which is coming in the in the orbit. It was like that in a sense of that it was a large orange uh, left to right moving uh, object. Whoa! And it wasn't triangular; it was more like a messy shape. You know, because of the overcast uh, nature of the night and the snow, you couldn't make out. Uh, it was it was behind kind of the clouds we were seeing, but it was definitively large in the night sky, moving from the left to right. Again, we're at like twelve thirty at night here. Yeah, um, it was me and Steve and his brother that saw it, uh, and it goes out of sight. And we look at each other and go, "What in the fuck was that?" Holy shit! Uh, and then, <laughs> yeah, and. <laughs> and the, so what did you say? It goes out of sight. Did it kind of vanish, or it just yeah, it just went out of sight, and you could hear uh, you could hear it moving. Uh, and then when it had been out of sight for a good thirty seconds, I don't want to say thirty seconds, it felt like five minutes. Yeah, but uh, but at the time we were kind of like in shock. Then we hear the sound, definitive sound. And anybody who's been to a flyover or been to an air show or just seen Top Gun, 
you know the sound that a that a fighter jet makes as it flies by. Yeah. And there are about four of those. Four fighter jets? Now, if you know if you know anything about the UFO sightings, you've done research, um, you know that a lot of times two things are connected to, to UFO sightings. One is the presence of fighter jets. Is that right? Because they're sent out to, to look at it? To chase them down or to check out what's going on. And yeah. two is that there's a lot of sightings around nuclear power plants. Oh. So to tie it all together, that this, the alarm we heard was from 30 miles out, there was a nuclear power plant that had an alarm that went off. Uh, well, Aaron, you were right to shush me. The, that's, uh, the, that's a good detail. The, <laughs> you know, and actually, the alarm went off an hour later. And no. We were still in shock still, so we all ran downstairs and uh, and ran outside and, and we're like, oh, is something else coming? Oh and we didn't, God. you know, nothing nothing else showed up. But, uh, but again, in typical uh, fashion, there was no uh, – no mention of it the next day. Yeah. Now, it might have been after press time, so we said, all right, the day after. There's got to be something, right? Yeah. Nothing. Oh, my God. Have you talked about it before? Uh, I've, I've told a, a lot of people, this is a this scoop. This is a scoop? No, this is definitely <laughs> a scoop. <laughs> That's crazy, man. So it kind of goes to my But that thing. got me into the whole ancient aliens and, and just interested in um, a past. There's a good show on, on the you know, history. I like the History Channel and the History Channel, too. I've, been a, I've studied history in college and always been a, a fan of... Uh, of what happened in the past, the near past, and also the the ancient past, and um, there's uh, you know some uh, some great shows on there that talk about the the uh, Brad Messler's show on there about uh, about whether or not the history that we're told yeah. is actually the history that, right. of, of how it happened based right. on artifacts they found all over the world, which kind of tie back to um, similar places and the fact that there's pyramids all over the place, and, right. and the fact that in general history is usually written by the winners. Right. Um, so societies and cultures have been and to keep people in the dark, right? I yeah. mean, you want to. That's why we're not going to report on that or whatever. Yeah. But that kind of goes with the idea that maybe it's recharging or something at a nuclear power plant. Is that kind of the idea that it wants energy? I, yeah. I mean, that's that's an idea. I know that there were uh, allegedly a lot of. Uh, um, after uh, Hiroshima, or not? Um, sorry, what was the uh, the power plant in? Uh, oh yeah, Chernobyl. Chernobyl, and then the one in uh, Japan recently. Yeah, um, that there were some some sightings around around those places. As well. Wow, so, I mean, that, that stuff is all interesting to me. But what about that? Because it's funny that you bring this up. Because I was just thinking about it this morning, where I was remembering that Ben Stein. You know Ben Stein. He did this uh, movie. When of, Ben Stein's Money. That was a good show. That's the one. I believe Jimmy Kimmel was on that, wasn't he? Jimmy Kimmel was on that, and he was he, he was sat right right where you are. We never we didn't talk about it though. Jimmy Kimmel, good man. Um, but we were uh, the idea. That he did this video about how a lot of scientists don't buy evolution, right? But they're, they don't talk about it. And some of them, it, I felt like we're implying that it's not that they're saying that God like flipped a switch and, and man was made. But it's interesting <laughs> that you can't even really theorize that if us, then them, right? We're here. And that seems to be the greatest proof of perhaps life elsewhere. That just seems pretty obvious right mm-hmm. and then like what if we're evolving and something shows up you're hip to all the like anunnaki and all that yeah they the come, watchers the watchers yeah and the grays inside the earth <laughs> and they come and they tweak our dna and that's why we have like i believe it's like more two more weird chromosomes that we can't account for when you go from like uh our closest relative like a chimpanzee to us sort of thing and like if, uh, the, the thing that i always say on this podcast is uh how we didn't know anything, and then like basically in a blink of an eye, we knew agriculture and we knew how to farm and all that. Oh, right, that's farming too, but like you're kind of open to it, which I love. Yeah, I'm definitely open <laughs> to it. 
Because it's fun. Yeah. It's crazy. Look at history. I mean, there's so many things that we don't know and can't explain. Yes. But then you look at the Egyptian hieroglyphs and you're like, what is that? That looks yeah. like electricity. Yeah. You know, what is that? That looks like uh, a spaceship. How badly would you – I think about this all the time. Would you like to see what it was actually like at the peak of Egyptian civilization? Oh, I think about that all the time. Do you? I do. Running electric and shit. And what was the guy's name? Uh, it's someone with an A, I think. The pharaoh that had the misshapen head that everyone's like, well, that was an alien. Like an alien just filled the chair for it, a while. It wasn't Ramses. Well, Ramses might be another theory, but there was one. Do you have internet yet? Yeah. Tutankhamun. I think it's like Anu Kamen or something. Amun Ra. Uh, you know a lot of these guys, <laughs> but the idea that these Amun Ra is a sun god. The the idea that these. Uh, but one what of is them. It? I have no idea. One of them called himself the the sun god as well. Akhenaten. 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 Mm-hmm. So he has this really misshapen head yeah. and it's long. And if you go to like Machu Picchu, like the kingdom stuff, of the crystal skulls. Yeah, that's what I'm fucking hit it elbow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but you can go. A friend of mine who did this podcast, who's also very weird and into this, David Wolf. Uh, posted photos that he took in a place you're not supposed to take photos in like Machu Picchu of those like long ass skulls that you know the theory was that they would bind the baby's head and the skull would grow out that way but they're like if you look at it it's like not human looking at all beyond just the shape of the skull you're like this is a weird ass tiny faced huge head beast and then the idea you get into the idea that like if I think it's like 1% of them stayed to rule us and then you get into that fun of Every U.S. president, you know this one, their blood can be traced back to, like, uh, the the pharaohs or something. It's, it's something like they're all somewhat related. One. I have not heard that one. So it's like this idea of, like, royal – even Obama. I saw this thing. You you should Google that one. That's a trippy theory. I like I like some of theories. Some of them are a little a little past where I'm at. But, um, sure. They're all but weird. But I think that, you know, having conversations like this is only positive. Right. You know, for, for people to – to break out of the, uh, you know, anytime I hear somebody talk about the Earth is ten thousand years old, and yeah. you know, somebody's crazy. I mean, yeah. that to me is crazier than the idea that, uh, you know, a weird race of aliens came and manipulated our DNA and made us into like a weird slave race or something. Yeah, minus the slave race part, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. Yeah. But like uh, visitors came and and changed the course of history. But it seems to me that you share that fundamental what is going on here that mm-hmm. I enjoy. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like I was actually just thinking about that on the ride in. I was like, there are the people that like to go, what is uh, fire? Or people that like, like literally, I, I know you can tell me what fire is on a scientific level, on a molecular level, but we're kind of like, what is it? Like, what is this order that keeps things, the molecules in you and you and the molecules in me, me, the kind of secret way of things? It's very trippy, but we like to question that well, and question the, everything. It's, it's like, why is fire? You know, why, why is fire? You know what I mean? Yeah. Why is fire? I, and I think that's something that uh, question everything is is a, a mini life motto of mine. You know, yeah. it's, it's – uh, you know, it's not to not have faith. I think the question, question, the question, everything doesn't mean you, you know, no, don't have faith in things and don't believe in anything and, and sure. want to just be the uh, you know devil's advocate in every conversation. It's just sure. that there's things going on yeah. more than we see and feel. But you know, it's interesting, Aaron. When I watch football, uh, which I don't, but when I watch highlight clips of you to research for this, <laughs> I go, I wonder if it's pleasant that you are in. A microcosm. You are in a reduced world where suddenly winning and losing isn't 
eternally important. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But it must be very fun and almost meditative to be in a place where you go, okay, the world, there are no good guys and bad guys. Every every uh, member of some terrorist organization, you could probably talk to them and, and understand, like compassionately listen, and perhaps understand why they're in pain. I'm not saying justify their action, but you could understand why they're suffering. But in football, you just go, I'm this team and that's my enemy. And there's a clock. Like, that's just like a thing. The t world doesn't have a clock. You can win and then the game is over. Whereas in life, it always just kind of keeps crawling forward and it seems so me kind of meandering and sometimes meaningless. But is it pleasant to be like, here you are questioning things and talking about UFOs and then you get in the game and you're just like, all I have to do is throw this ball at that man and hope he catches it and look out for my safety. Well, it's not quite that simple. But that's, how, I, I, that's how simple it is. <laughs> I understand exactly what you're saying. It's very fixed. You know, there's, uh, there's rules and there's, uh, there's things you can do and can't do. And there's, uh, you know, it, it's... Uh, it's clean. Yeah. No, I love it. I mean, I love, uh, love what I do. It's got to be um, a break from that type of thinking. Because if you did, not that you couldn't in the off season like you are now, but like when you're out there, it must be, is it, does it feel good to just be like, for right now, all I have to do is, is, is this. It's very complicated, but that's my goal. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that uh, that's not exactly how I look at it, uh, <laughs> you know, consciously, but I yeah. think uh, subconsciously that there is a, uh, a comfort level knowing uh, that in my environment, things make sense all yeah. the time. And I think that must be part of the pleasure of watching it. Is it's like, this is my team. You're not from Green Bay. You're from San Francisco or... A little north of that, Chico, yeah. yeah. You're from Chico. But we, we don't care. I used, to make, I used to be one of those annoying people that are always like, no, these people are from Green Bay. Yeah. But it's like, it's, this, it's almost theatrical. It's a suspension of disbelief. You are so much more a resident Green Bay man, a Wisconsin person. You're like a, a royal figure than somebody that's been there for every generation of, of their family, <laughs> right? So because they don't care. Fundamentally, we don't care. We just want an object to project ourselves on and go, that's Green Bay. He represents us, and they won, and we won, and the football was here. And when the clock ran out, because no clock, you could just keep playing for infinity. Yeah. No, I agree. I think th th that's the cool thing about our sport is, is it's really a we uh, mentality. Yeah. Because there's such a connection between the players and the fans. And, and I think that it's a moment. Uh, it's the perfect day of the week. You know, because it's like a, it's a relaxing day where people can really just say, you know what, this is my team. Yeah. This is my city. Yeah. And I'm going to get behind my my players. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I think there's a it's a pretty cool uh, connection there. And then you have other you know outside factors that really increase the popularity popularity of our sport. Um, most most importantly, fantasy football. I mean, so many people you probably don't, but most people play <laughs> and have multiple teams. I play Witcher. That's a fantasy game. <laughs> I'm crafting spells. Did you play Zelda back in the day? I did play Zelda, yeah. but I wasn't good enough. World to of Warcraft. No, really? No, I can't. Did you get into it? No, no. But I understand fantasy football. I, I'm, I'm not coming at you at the place of like it's a little silly. I totally get it. These it's okay are, if you did though. It's your podcast. Uh, I appreciate that, but I've kind of moved past that a little bit. It's That's not growth. my thing. That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't look down on it. I think I used to be kind of like, well, that's silly. These grown men are having pretend drafts and crying that. You hurt your uh, pinky, and now they might lose. Whatever it might be, mm. I don't even want to say hurt your pinky. Yeah, it might be a little more than the pinky, but yeah, um, sure. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, I think it, obsessing over anything is probably not the most healthy thing. But but they get into it and they find yeah. a great identity in it, and then you probably you're the, this kind of mouthpiece for this whole culture. Like it is Green Bay, right? I mean, that's what Green Bay is. It's a 
It's a football, football town. town. No doubt about it. I think the state too. You know, we uh you know, we represent uh a lot of a lot of good folks out there. It's a special place to you. You've only been to Appleton for for uh, a potential show, but uh, <laughs> I've been living there for <laughs> living there for eleven years. Yeah, uh, it's it's a really uh, really great town. I mean, it's really good people. Some great uh, Midwest values, as but, they say. People just you know caring about their neighbor and sure. And uh, I would know. feel that when I was there too. Yeah, it's like a Norman Rockwell painting to a certain extent. Yeah, and you are you are a mythic character. I wonder if you feel. Uh, do you feel like Aaron Rodgers? When I see myself on TV, it's completely different. You, you're, you really are a superstar, obviously. But I don't really feel like that person. I feel like I'm playing a role. And that's not to say that I don't associate with that person or know intellectually that I'm, I'm that person. But do you, that has to be like something that you slip on as well. It's kind of fitting that you put on a uniform and stuff because you're like, and now I will go be Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback. So decisive. It's such a testosterone place. Yes, no, black, white. Win, lose. There's cheerleaders being very kind of like no, not 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 in Green Bay. But no, is that true? No, too cold. Well, we don't have uh, professional cheerleaders. I watched a clip of you playing, and there were cheerleaders at that game. So it's our it's our, our lovely cheerleaders from the local high schools in St. Norbert's. But I, there's a lot of like even that is like okay, this is what women are. Yeah. Obviously, we know women are more than that, and this is what men are. And I am here to say, obviously, we know men are more than that. But you are playing the part of Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback. You're being a thing. Would you, you agree? I would agree. I think that's um, a fun thing to play. You know, yeah. I've, since I was a kid, it's you like know, a costume. I, oh yeah. <laughs> I loved. Uh, I loved playing sports. You know, we grew up uh, in an era without the internet and without uh, computers, and and uh, we didn't have video games till we were you know in junior high. So you know, it's always it was always about playing outside and and playing sports um, for us growing up and. Um, always wanted to to play sports at a professional level. But you also get to compartmentalize. And, and I'm not going for any sort of exclusive, like, Aaron, do you ever cry at Hallmark commercials or anything? It's not about that. But nobody... James Lipton interview really quick. Uh, <laughs> but I'm a comedian. I'm not, I'm not funny all the time. And, and you talk about confidence a lot. And yeah. that's something that you and I... We're in the confidence business. Mm-hmm. You certainly, way more than me, the stakes are way higher for you. But, you know, I can be emotionally blitzed by a crowd. <laughs> but you go up and you have to get in that place. I have to imagine that that's part of it, too, that you kind of... I'm not saying it's cheap enough that you psych yourself into it. No, but I like, think you, you, you kind of build up re- reserves almost, and you just you, you find a way to tap into that. It's right. The, it's those those areas of uh, deep competitiveness and and uh, desire and you know charisma, and you have to tap into all that to be uh, to be a leader and to be at your best. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. So I think that's so interesting. There, there's so many like good. You're a good-looking man, good-looking, chiseled, like charismatic, confident quarterbacks. I think that's really. What the, what is going on? It's almost like you're being groomed by society and your parents and the culture to become a leader. It's interesting to consider that why why aren't like in Moneyball? They're like he's got a good chin, he's got a hot girlfriend, he's he's confident. These are like factors when it comes to putting someone in your position. I think that's very interesting. I think the quarterback has to has to wear a lot of hats, you know, if you will, um, as far as leadership. You know, you have to be able to. Um, inspire your teammates. You have to be able to uh, to know how to talk to them, to know how to to, uh, to learn what makes them tick, to uh, to learn how to push the right buttons to get the most out of them. I think it's an important part of it. You have to be the face of the franchise most of the time, so you right. have to speak well. Right. You have to represent the organization well. I think we've seen the last, especially the last few weeks. You know, if if you're uh, if you're out in front, 
uh, as a player of an organization, there's a way that uh, that they expect you to carry yourself. And with the league and what Roger Goodell has done with player conduct, uh, they are swift uh, to uh, to action if you uh, you step out of line, which they should be because it's a multi billion dollar business and. Uh, the teams care about the image that uh, you're portraying when you're out there uh, right. representing the team. But the manufacturing and maintaining and having reserves of confidence, if you were exactly the player you were, but you were bald and you had a crooked nose, you'd be exactly as, as good of a player, but it would it would almost... And you're a guy who knows what it, it's like to be overlooked for intangible things. I really liked what you said about, you know, it's not about just what you can bench or, or, or your other stats, but it's about your character and your grit. You didn't say grit, but I was like, oh, he means grit. <laughs> like that thing that's off. Uh-huh. It's invisible, it's intangible, and it's unmeasurable. Unmeas- but, you know, I, I don't really have a question, but why, why is Tom Brady a quarterback? Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, you are a good-looking, confident guy your whole life, and that prepares you to continue to play that role. If you can play it at a Denny's in high school... It almost helps you continue the facade of – because of, nobody's fully confident or fully together all the time. But if you get all that practice off-field just going to a movie and telling a bunch of knuckleheads to be quiet during the previews or whatever, then you might be a better quarterback. And you might do that more. You might be the, the popular kid in high school and that – and then you're like, oh, people are listening to me. And you get practice with people listening to you and it prepares you for this job. Why are there so many good-looking quarterbacks? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's really it's, my question. It's probably because we got to be on TV all the time. We got to, you know, our interviews are the main interviews during the week, and you want to make sure you don't look like a, you know, scrub out there. Yeah. I guess. Well, they talk about testosterone. That the, the a, a chiseled jaw is a sign of having higher testosterone. Really? Yeah. Which is why, and huh. testosterone is linked to decisiveness. And you have a chiseled jaw, and you're very decisive. So maybe that's part of it. You learn something new every day. <laughs> And you get a wrinkle in your brain every time you learn something new. <laughs> really? So I just wrinkled your brain. Thank dude. you for the wrinkle. <laughs> I like what you got going on around here. Though. I'm looking around. Uh, yeah. You have a uh, well. We have a UFO, UFO right behind poster, us. and then you have an alien guy in the corner over there. I well, yeah, we're 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 right on the same tip as you, man. Mm-hmm. We're not messing around. And, and you're wearing a, a space. I know. Shirt. I know. I felt good when I got out of the I'm car. We- I'm wearing an astro- a lady astronaut on my shirt. That's very bizarre, and you, and the first thing you wanted to talk about was UFOs and how we just kind of went there. I don't there's know. a secret history to everything. That is true, but I, you know, you talk about that idea. Here's my. You want to know the best question I have for mm-hmm. you? Yeah, I do. do you, because you and I have Rob Bell in common, mm-hmm. and you and I have wondering about the world in common. Do you thank God when you lose? <laughs> That's my best question. That is a great question. You know, I, I made uh, a comment after uh, after a game this year about uh, the God was a Packer fan. Uh, oh, did you this week? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I said it tongue in cheek because I just I don't I don't think that uh, there's a higher power that cares about uh, football wins and losses. Sure. I just think that that is uh, it just minimalizes uh, a God and puts a God into a box that. Uh, the people who say those type of things maybe don't realize that they're doing. Sure. Um, well, it's almost like God becomes a mythic character. Yeah. Just in the same way that you you are more than just Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback. They're like, and God is also a quarterback fan. It's, it's very clanistic. We're getting everybody nice and neat and tight, and, and there's a pleasure to that, I'm sure. But it's more complicated. Without a doubt. But for me, that, that evokes feelings of uh, kind of the environment I grew up as a, as a, as a kid where, um, you know, the Christian uh, culture that kind of grew out of the 80s, and in the 90s was, 
in retrospect, I think very uh, exclusive and yeah. not inclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, you know, our God uh, is going to help us more and he's going to help you. And mm-hmm. our God is going to get us to heaven and, and you're not going. Mm-hmm. And our God is okay with that. Mm-hmm. The older I get, the less I, you know, want any part of any of that, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead. I, w- I was just – you're a, a guy who's done so much suffering. Yeah. So we do thank God for the wins. And I'm talking about everything when, when you get a little win in life, not just football, I'm saying. But don't we over time learn to thank God for the loss, for the suffering? Because you're a guy who would look at your rejection letters and that would drive you. Mm-hmm. So you're a guy who knows the alchemy involved in turning suffering into into gold. And it's – and and I I see football players retiring and, and crying and and it seems to me because we're we're not uh, we're not saying yes to what is we're only we're clinging to the win to what was yeah to what was and mm-hmm. and and we're not fully seeing the spectrum who you are has a lot to do I saw the kind of and I don't need you to comment on things that are necessarily about your job but you know you had this complicated thing with with Brett Favre and and out of that comes grit and experience and character so therefore when i say do you thank god for a loss or or a bad diagnosis or a heartbreak or or a, or a car accident or something like that where you're involved you're kind of like oh this is also this is also the hand of god it's not because otherwise we have to look at a god that ultimately fucks us all because we die and that's a loss. That's what I see when I see the crying quarterback guy. Instead of saying, now is the season for retiring, you go, well, I'm not winning anymore, so I'm not living anymore. When my philosophy would say, it's all, it's all part of it. The, the lessons and the grit come from standing in the shadows more than it comes from standing in the spotlight. I don't even know if I have a good response to that because I think that's just <laughs> – Do you like that? that? I really do like that. I, I, I believe that. Um, I, I don't uh, – I'm thankful for my health. You know, that's yeah. kind of what I when I stand on the sidelines and I hear the national anthem. It always, you know, one being uh, being patriotic, you know, really means a lot to me. But two, I mm-hmm. just I just say thanks that I'm here today. Mm-hmm. Thank you that I'm on this field, that I'm healthy, and that I get to do something that I love. Yeah, and that so many people enjoy as well. Yeah, you- I don't I don't get into the like wins and 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 losses and, um, but I don't. You know, I don't feel like uh, I feel like a guy who just wants one team to win is saying is turn, is rejecting the other guys, right? Because we say the Lord's prayer before and after every game. There's a there's a prayer circle in uh, in our locker room before every game. So we're as a team. There's probably forty of us who are you know holding hands, saying you know, hey God, uh, you know, keep us safe today and and uh, help us to win. Mm-hmm. Well, there's probably a team on the other side doing the exact same right. thing. So is God, you know, glorifying us when we win and, you know, punishing the other team? Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you say, you know, what do you say to a guy who played his last play in a game? You, you know, I've had uh, three teammates who've had uh, season and career-ending neck injuries on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where is God in, in that part? Right. If, if You know. Unless, unless we start to develop a philosophy that includes lightness and darkness, exactly. Which that, I think that's that's, right. that's the point I'm making. Is that I think uh, you can't just glorify in the in the good times. That's right. What uh, kind of that's a, I think that's an amateur idea. Of, and I think that's what you're seeing with some of the, you know, when things are over, people are so tied to the, uh, that identity and that, 
you know, that lifestyle that they don't uh, they don't see that it, it's just a season That's of our right. lives. It's a season. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, like you know, for a reason, for a season. You That's know? it. It's uh, the reason you, you learn along the way, and, and it. But you realize, you know, if I'm fortunate enough to live seventy or eighty years, and I play fifteen years in the NFL, like there's a lot other, a lot more life to be to be lived. And, and That's you, right. You got to have that perspective, I think, and, and a lot of guys. Uh, a lot of guys don't. But it's interesting. Uh, there is this other side of you, which is maybe, I don't know if you've gotten in trouble for saying God is a Packers fan or whatever. But to me, I see that just playing the part, which is also pleasant. We don't want to see Batman go like, fuck Gotham. You know what I mean? Even though, undoubtedly, if you followed Bruce Wayne around, eventually you'd catch him and be like, this crime fighting thing is for the birds. But we want... <laughs> We want to compartmentalize you, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself, into you the player and then you the person. And maybe we start to get in trouble when we do add a third dimension to something that, it, that we were saying at the beginning is a pretty binary. You know what I mean? It, it's clan. It's, it's, it's us versus them. It's winner and loser. And then you bring human spirit into it. And then you have Aaron Rodgers saying, I don't know if God uh, cares whether or not we win or lose. It's almost like we need to keep those things separate. Like an interview like this shouldn't necessarily be played over footage of you playing. Like that's completely inappropriate because that is quarterback Aaron. And it, it, do you feel that? I do. I, I definitely do. I feel like uh, there's some people who just want you to be a quarterback or want you to be not a quarterback. But I, I feel like when you become uh, relatable is when you, you show them your personality. And often it's surprising to some people that you can have a sense of humor, that you can do a State Farm commercial, that yeah, you can yeah, yeah. stand in your locker and, and say, a, say a sarcastic comment. You know, right. Because uh, I think in our business, we often get so programmed uh, to just be that person the entire time that there's not a big crossover between the person and the and the quarterback. Right. I think that's interesting, but nowadays people want all of all of whoever it is. We want all of the movie star, we want all of the author, and we want all of the athlete. And there's so much more access. There's so many more cameras. There's there's tweeting and there's podcasts and all this sort of stuff. So now I think humanity is going to be challenged when we start seeing the the three dimensions of Batman. He doesn't always like to sit on the roof and wait for a mugging. You know what I mean? Even mm-hmm. though we like to think of him that way. And just like you might sometimes wrap your mind philosophically under the idea that in the realm of infinity wins and losses is nothing that we're just drops of rain shield on a uh, on a windshield we're drops of rain on a windshield and it's all going to get wiped away and that's fine and that's beautiful and that's the game and you've been given this path to play this part but really there's another part of you the witness that's outside of it going i'm none of this this is just the game that we're playing i don't mean football i mean life life yeah That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, uh, I think that's a scary thought. Which part? Uh, the whole thing. That uh, <laughs> because I'm not for me. Yeah, you know, because I, I think I've proven that I, I have a capacity of to entertain the thoughts that uh, might make some people, um, yeah, sc- you know, squeamish. You're doing the work. Yeah, but I think because we get uh, so entwined into. That one thing that kind of gives us that release, maybe in a in a life that uh, often doesn't feel um, lived to the fullest, maybe to put it uh, mm-hmm. to put it bluntly, um, it's it's a scary thought to uh, imagine um, that this isn't all there is. 
And I had that realization when I was at the top of my game on the podium winning the Super Bowl, and I kind of just looked around going, God, I love football so much. Mm-hmm. But there's got to be something else. That's right. You know? And I and I, I remember I repeated that, and I didn't feel any reservation about it. Um, and it was no disrespect to anything that just happened. It was just that I was like, man, this I love what I do so much, but – but there's there's definitely I can't get so wrapped up that I can't see that there's other life going on around around me. That's it. Yeah. But everybody that I know that's functioning at a high level, no matter what they're doing, musician, artist, author, and here we are with an athlete, gets there. And it doesn't matter how many times we're told that story. We all think when we get there, it'll be different for us. Mm-hmm. And we think that when and this is the basis of advertising, and that's why it works. You're missing a grilled cheese. Eat the grilled cheese. Hey. And yeah. maybe it will get you there for a second. I can't imagine when I watch you play, because I have those moments where I'm like, fuck yeah. You know what I mean? And that's a great feeling. But we all know this is the retiring, crying player. The clinging. Whereas I think you and I are both interested in the idea of flowing with things. Going, it's not about trying to hold on to a chemical reaction in your brain that's adrenaline and it's joy. It's this idea of, of stepping outside of a guy holding the Heisman. Is that the trophy? Which trophy? There's, there is a Heisman Trophy. That's in college. There's a, there's a Lombardi Trophy named after Vince Lombardi. What do you get for the coach. Super Bowl? Lombardi Trophy. You get the Lombardi Trophy. And isn't there only one? And it like travels around like... No, they actually... There's, oh, really? Like we have two inside our facility. One that's <laughs> kind of by our lockers. The other's in the Hall of Fame. So they get, okay. if you win one, they give you two. Oh, I kind of thought there was something funny about football not letting you literally cling to a trophy. That's the... Uh, the I believe the NHL... Is that uh, what? Yeah. Oh, the Stanley Cup. The Stanley Cup. Yeah, that's I right. Think that's. I think there's only one of those. Because they said, "Oh, the trophy's coming back home to Green Bay," and I was like, "Oh, that's great." Yeah. There's something philosophical going on there, which is seasonal. Yeah. You are now the winners, and later you'll be the losers. And we love watching teams ebb and flow because they're representations of us. But we also here you are at that place, and I think to be able to step outside of it and go. Yes, it's the two parts. Aaron, the quarterback, goes, this is amazing. This was however many miles on the underwater treadmill and sweat and not being able to see your friends, family, and, and, and it's fucking warfare. And then on the other hand, you go, confetti and champagne and, and, and hot uh, newscasters aside, what is going on here? Like, I'm still a mass of carbon, and I'm still wondering what this all means because we know it's, it's transitory. It's transient. And what remains? What actually matters? I think that's what you start to look for. Is that it? Yeah. Well, because I, you know, you're, I believe it was your mom said something about you stopped wanting to be the greatest quarterback and you want to be the greatest man who was a quarterback. Yeah, she kind of made that up, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but you, th- that interest in going like, I'm not. Uh, honestly, like, the root, I think the ahead, root of yeah. it is this. Is, is it, you get to a point where uh, I think you just desire to be looked at as more than just what you're known for mm-hmm. you know and, and and you're trying to change the narrative a little bit you know when they think about you what's the first thing they think about and um you know a great uh, friend of mine who played quarterback in green bay for a long time bart Starr, uh, who i've been fortunate to get to know over the last uh, 11 years in green bay is the kind of guy where when you when you say his name and when you talk about him the first thing you think about is not the five championships that he won, which is the NFL record, or, or the uh, the years, the MVPs, and, and the amazing things he did on the field. But you think about his charitable work and the mm-hmm. way he conducted himself and his character, um, and and how he loved his wife, and 
And I think that's that's pretty admirable um, to be remembered for those type of things. So I think in in the moment you just look for uh, you you know I think it's you you want to transcend the moment. So you want to just you want to be present, and you but want to also transcend the role. Totally. You want to go. It's not you were saying the old version of God was us versus them sort of thing, and you're trying to have a global perspective, a, a human perspective. I mean, I see the work you do with cancer kids and cancer kids, children with cancer, and and that is that's got to feel different. That's got to feel. It's not errant. I shouldn't be here. I should be at fucking the fancy vegan restaurant eating the off menu burgers. <laughs> but you're there, yeah. And because that has to stir a different part of you, it definitely does. I, I think you have to, at the same time, you know, you, you have to realize what you do can open up a lot of doors. So what I do on the field for for my team opens up uh, doors and gives me opportunities to you know as as uh, as as great as this you know doing a podcast with you and also being able to be a part to lend my name to a, an organization that uh, that pours millions of dollars into research and patient care and trying to find cures for cancer so we can give these kids an opportunity to live a normal life you know and that uh, is a really special thing and i think it's finding those uh, those opportunities uh, and when you get to the level where I'm at now and, and just kind of the mindset where I'm at, it, it's even for me wanting uh, to go even further and, and to do it on more of a global uh, level and think about, uh, you know, how we are all connected and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and what is, you know, how can, how can I make a difference on an even greater, greater level? And that's what I'm, uh, what I'm looking for. I think that's very interesting. I, talking about being connected because what I was going to, what I was thinking to ask you was, I think it's a cheapened version to say, what if I had been a child with cancer and you wouldn't be you, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. Um, or, or maybe, you know, let's hope maybe you still could have, but like if you had a different path, but then the, the next level of that, I think the next evolution of that is I am the child with cancer, meaning it's just us here. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's not, it's not a thought experiment. It's this idea that there is a global identity, a oneness that we're all experiencing. And then when you – I kind of trip out thinking um, what you can do with your influence. And I, I sometimes think about that with mine, which is much different. And to see you doing that I think has to be impactful for you in your development. It is, but I, I think I can do more. Yeah. You know, I, I really do. I, I think uh, the exciting thing the last four or five years has been to really uh, – start to think about these type of deals, you know, start to think about how we are all connected and, and how um, there's a lot of people out there who can who can use help. And, and how can you use the influence and the platform you're given to make a difference on a, on a global scale? Um, and just trying to find those organizations, those opportunities to do those type of things. That's honestly what gets me going is, is knowing that um, that my buddy who runs a restaurant in, in Green Bay can start an organization that uh, teaches people in Rwanda how to uh, how to bake bread so they can sell it to their neighbor and hmm. and uh, and create uh, sustainable income and and then uh, build schools so that the kids can uh, go to school every day and stay out of trouble and and uh, be exposed to medicine so they can have the opportunity to live a normal life and he lives in Green Bay Wisconsin you know like yeah. if he can do it yeah. uh, with a dream and an idea you know what can you know what can I do as well yeah yeah, I love that. I wonder, I'm, I'm really hung up on this idea of playing roles. And there is something philosophical going on here. If you could comment on the idea that you're playing a game and there's a guy who's uh, the main guy that's going to get you and he's going to tackle you. 
This right? is very technical, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right? So he's one of the O's on the on the whiteboard, and he's coming at you. He's an X. He's X, an X. X, X or a V, yeah. Fuck those X's. But I think it's interesting, and there's something, it, it, I imagine we could tie this back into the idea of it's all of us together. Here you are pretending to be a quarterback and pretending to be on a team, and then you're also equally pretending that this is your enemy. So I think it's very interesting, Can correct me if I'm wrong, that you could... Uh, have vitriol for this guy. Fuck this guy. We're going to squash this guy. We're going to break this guy. That scary, you know, the breath coming out of the mask uh, any given Sunday stuff. And own that. And really play that part. Really believe it. Completely shift your consciousness into that. The Aaron Rodgers that we love. Decisive and he's fucking kicking ass and he's a bad man, right? Then after the game, you can be like friends with that guy. Yeah, definitely. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That's a, that is a spiritual idea. And I know you know that. It's like you're if I if you and I in life as friends were like mad at each other, there's a way that you can play that out and be like, fuck you, Aaron. But all the while you're kind of laughing that the whole thing is a game. I'm playing Pete the comedian from Boston and you're playing Aaron Rodgers. But behind it, do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's it's a little bit of soul consciousness. You're just like it's all a game. And even if we're passionately in it, it's what Christ said, in the world, not of it. In the game, not of it. Hit it. We're really breaking ground here. I mean, wouldn't you say you're in the game, but not of it? Yeah, I am. Fucking A! (laughs) I know I said it, but that's good shit. I think that's that's why you are who you are and football can be such an interesting pursuit. Maybe not... Maybe not something that you think in the forefront of your mind, but it makes perfect sense to me. Don't you think that that's a uh, – that that idea – because I've, I've thought a lot about not that specific thing. I'm going to give you yeah. credit for that. But but just the idea that we subconsciously uh, know that. Yes. And that uh, we can act that out without quite understanding what we're doing at all times. Absolutely. I think this that's is- a fascinating thought to think about because often you know we – uh, come up with our own ideas about uh, growing in consciousness, or you know, uh, under, you know, getting to different uh, levels of, uh, of belief and, and knowledge and intelligence. But I think deep down, we all have that. Uh, That's right. Awareness and and an ability to start working in both and territories. I'll tell you my favorite moment in all of sports. Uh, I can't use example, real examples, but let's say a guy <laughs> plays for Reds, the Red Sox okay. for his uh, for fi- ten years. And he's amazing, and he wins championships for the Red Sox. I guess Johnny Damon would be somebody like this. I'd say Big Poppy, maybe. Big Poppy. Did he leave the Red Sox? No. Oh, oh I need them left. to leave. Okay. I need them to leave. Yeah, go ahead. Johnny Damon. And yep. when Johnny Damon comes back to Fenway, and I've been there when a player that used to be and did well for the Red Sox comes back, Roger Clemens, the whole stadium, these supposed kind of beard – I'm just talking about Bostonians. We're a bunch of knuckleheads, and we're drinking Bud Light, and we're like, taking our shirts off. And, you know, we're, we're the bread and circus crowd. <laughs> Yet we transcend the idea that that's our enemy, and we remember that he was once us, and we applaud him even as our role as enemy. That is next-level consciousness, even though they're still thinking, I hope we squash that fucking queer. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just getting into it. You now. are, man. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't surprise me. Um, can you talk a little bit about the pain? Because what I, I didn't know about you, the the refining pain. You've gone through all this growth and stuff, and that ultimately being a gift. I mean, you know, the Brett Favre thing, which I barely know, mm-hmm. and I, I don't want to put you in places that you have to. No, that's a. That's I'm sure a happy, everyone asks you. Those are happy places for me. Is that right? Yeah. 
But you you did get rejected a lot. You were a late draft pick and all that sort of stuff. But all of this I was the first round pick, but I was late in the first round. Yeah, I don't know what that means. There's 32 picks in each round, and you were 24th in Tom the first Brady round. Tom Brady was picked like uh, 199. So really? He was picked, I was picked 24. Tommy B. So I would say Tommy B. was a late round draft pick. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, ESPN little and that movies shaped, and that shaped him for sure. Well, there you go. You know, and he only started one year in college. Well, I'd lo- I'd love to hear you talk about pain and fear and all of these things that we avoid actually being the stuff that makes life sizzle, that makes it oh, for sure glisten. Uh, that's kind of my my story is uh, being rejected in uh, uh, you know coming out of high school, not getting any offers. Um, you know, actually had some opportunities to play at uh, at some smaller schools, Occidental, Occidental College. Actually, mm-hmm. Claremont McKenna was interested in me. Um, Lewis and Clark up in Portland, Oregon, wanted me to come play for them. Uh, some great uh, academic schools, but some D3 programs. Uh, mm-hmm. And I grew up watching Saturday football, and Saturday football is all about the Pac-10 and, and the Big uh, the Big 10 and the Big 12 and the SEC and you know these big conferences I wanted to play in. So I ended up going to junior college and, and – uh, uh, you know, before a, that, actually, a Division had, One Junior College. There's no Division One Junior College. I'm no, trying <laughs> my best. I was like, so, why did you choose a Junior College? Junior College are two year. They're two year programs. Oh, I see. So oh, you transfer went to, schools. Uh, I went to Butte B- Community B- College. B- yeah, so I went to Butte, and they got a great program there. And Coach Rigsby and, and Coach Jordan gave me an opportunity to play there, and things just kind of went from there. Coach Tedford came and watched me, and, and I had a good practice. And he offered I heard me the story. He watched one and, one play. Yeah, and he said, "That's the greatest quarterback I've ever lived." Yeah, and then we pull out, and he's on a horse, and he's cutting the head off an enemy. Yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah, he did that a lot. That's, that's why they fired him. Uh, <laughs> no, I love Jeff, man. He was, he was. Uh, he gave me an opportunity at Cal, and I learned a lot from him. But for me, I think the the, but big, the pain being the fuel. Sorry, no doubt about it. I think the pain was was important uh, for me because when you know what that feels like, the uh, the success. And the happiness is even sweeter. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, when you've when you've dealt with uh, whether it's an injury, I you know partially tore my ACL in high school and had to wear a brace and deal with that pain every single day of rehab, trying to get myself to a position to be able to play, and then taking the brace off and trying to find confidence in that, mm-hmm. and then the pain of being a backup quarterback at Cal. Uh, I mean, you're living out your dream, but you're every night you're going to bed dreaming about playing in, in a game and knowing you're the backup. You know, and you just. Mm-hmm. You you deal with the every day of, of trying to get better and, well, and work ask, on your craft. And, they're asking you to be these invincible kind of centurions, and at the same time, you're dealing with these blows to your ego. It's it's like the sure. thing that you're supposed to be protecting the most. Yeah, it's like the comedian. Sorry, but it's all I know. I'm stuck in here. These are the references that I have. <laughs> is I get to the club and they're rude to me, or they they don't know who I am, or or someone. Uh, I'm not asking, I'm not saying they need to roll out the red carpet, but if someone's mean to me, this happened to Rob and I when we were touring. Someone was like, who, who are you? And we're like, oh, we're here for the show tonight. And they're like, well, the tickets are over there. And they're like, no, I'm sorry, we're on the show. And they were like, really unwelcome. Then we're like, don't you realize that fucks up our show? Yeah. I'm supposed to go on a stage. You're supposed to go on a field, sometimes that you've never been to before, and swing your dick around. You're literally supposed to own the place. When you audition for a new club, you're supposed to go in and act like you're so comfortable, even though you're the most uncomfortable. And here you are getting these blows off the field that are probably knocking the wind out of you a little bit, just like maybe somewhere in your ego. And then you have to go out and act like the big cheese. For sure. I mean, I I remember going to a a camp in uh, Champaign, Illinois, at the university there, and and, uh, you know they offered another kid in in the camp who I felt like I was better than. Mm-hmm. You know, and and uh, 
so it's been it's I think that's an important part of of having success is dealing with rejection positively yeah and dealing with those failures um, for some people it can be crippling mm-hmm. you know it can it can uh, you know it, it can just tie you up and not not allow you to do anything and I see it even in our business with with guys who may, maybe have success early on and then and then have a rough second or third year or or have uh, an injury that kind of keeps them down they can't recover from confidence is such a important part of our business especially in my position and and uh you have to find ways as coaching staff and and as teammates to foster that confidence and the and the and to allow it to grow uh but at the same time you have to have something inside you that uh, that, that doesn't get rattled too much and, and yeah. luckily i did i think a lot of that was kind of the way i grew up and but a lot of it's just the story uh of of how i uh you know, was was under recruited and and uh, had to kind of make my way and had to make people believe. You have to go out there and prove it every every single day. And right. I think that's what I always used to tell myself. I, I remember sitting in the library at Pleasant Mill High School looking at these lists online, and it was these recruiting lists of the top 100 quarterbacks in the country and the top you know 50 quarterbacks in California. And I, ne- I was never on that list. Uh, and <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, it doesn't matter because those guys are out there and they think they got it made. Those blue chippers who are on the top of those lists. They're thinking, you know what? I got it made. I'm, I'm, I'm. I got a full ride somewhere, and and I can kind of coast. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna wake up every morning before school and work out. I'm gonna stay after school and work out. I'm gonna throw three times a week with my buddies. And I'm gonna, when those guys are enjoying, uh, enjoying the top of the list, I'm gonna be out there out working them and, and knowing at some point it's gonna catch up. And when I yeah. get that opportunity, I'm gonna show those people that they made a mistake and that the, the that the guy they thought was was uh, was the big cheese and the guy who's gonna get it done. <laughs> Different guys. It's not that guy. Different guys. But now here you are. It's an interesting position that you you are being acknowledged, and you know they say uh, you're the greatest uh, quarterback in the game right now, which is amazing. I can't, so, see, I wish I hadn't researched you. Why? <laughs> no, I, I just I preferred it when I was like, ah, it's that guy. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> you guy over there with the you know, funny shirts it, and you, uh, exactly doesn't say a lot of dinner and alien hats. Yeah. Greatest quarterback in the game, but uh, you you know Spiral Dynamics. You and I both yeah. enjoy that. Uh, for those of you that don't know Spiral Dynamics, it's worth a Google. It's an interesting idea of levels of consciousness. And you were definitely like a uh, – like a almost – I'm not saying this is perfect, but like a purple to red. You were like getting passed over. The world was happening to you. And then you went, fuck that. I'm going to happen to the world. That's my favorite transition. Yeah. That's Breaking Bad. That's every hip-hop song. That's Batman. That's every good story. We're obsessed with purple to red. It's the underdog story. You have cancer. Fuck you. I make I make meth. Get the fuck out of my face. And you're like, okay, I'm not a blue chip. And you're like, eat eat a dick. I'm fucking gonna lift more in the morning and, and work harder. And we love that story. Yeah. But here you are now. You're in a different place. How do you manufacture urgency? Because I'll tell you, for a comedian, one of the things that leads to a good show is the need. If I had a bad show, I'll have a better show the next show because I need it more because I miss it. Are you? What are you doing now that you are at that place that the guys? It's like Eminem. He's always talking about the guys that are after him. Yeah, you know, and he, the the hungry guys that are chasing him. And I'm trying to make you paranoid about those guys. I'm just wondering what is your. I'm not paranoid about it at all. I, I think that's a great question. I, I think that's something that I I think about a lot because, yeah. and I get asked a lot because I, you know, for a long time they talked about you know you play with this chip on your shoulder. You got to prove everybody wrong. Well, what happens when? The doubters become less and less, and you've mm. proven year after year you've, you can do it. Uh, then it becomes, uh, I think, just can, just obliterating the expectations because 
That yeah. becomes the doubt. Yeah. The record becomes the doubt. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and how long you can do it because they, it's a young man's game and they always, you know, yeah. every year they're expecting you to fall. They're, they can't wait for you to, to bottom out and to not live up to the expectations. And then they start changing the expectations. Oh, he's 32. He's going to start having some, some down years. His body's going to catch up with him. That's the, what they said when you were throwing the Hail Mary. The announcer's like, it's his 32nd birthday. Let's see if he has a vintage moment. The guy during the ball. I it's like know. the most exciting play in, in football I've seen. And he's like, he just had a birthday. This guy's got wobbly knee. Like, shut the fuck up and just go, look at that ball sore. Do you know what I mean? So I'm with you. But you're using the hate. You're using uh, the haters. Yeah. Yeah, and, and again, it, 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 it's less and less. Uh, For sure. But it's it's that challenge of continuing to beat the odds. Because as the haters go away, the odds you know, start to start to catch up to some people. The older you get, the, the, you know, the less athleticism you can harness. And the, uh, although you can supplement that with uh, experience, you know, people are expecting you to not be able to, to move around as quickly. Your arm's going to fail. Your, you know, your body's going to start quitting on you. And... and uh, so my goal is to uh, to beat the odds and to yeah. beat the expectation makers and and it's uh, you know I know Tom Brady feels the same way you know Tom's always talking about uh, you know playing into his forties and not not many quarterbacks have ever been able to play in their forties and, and keep a high level I don't I can't think of one uh, I mean Jeff George had some off and ons in his forties Randall Cunningham I think played in the you know, forty or forty one Warren Moon played late in his career but. There's not many guys who've been doing it who can do it at the level that uh, you know, say Tom did last year at yeah. uh, you know, 37, 38, where he's you know still at the top of his game and right <laughs> there in the MVP conversation. That's what I want to I want to be. You know, I want to be still playing at seven and eight years. Well, uh, I'm sure you oh. go ahead and, and playing at the same at the same level. Well, I'm sure you know that that story that the guy, the first guy that broke the five minute mile that year, like 40 other people did it. So here you you're looking at Tom and you're creating these narratives. You're like, okay, I'm at the top. I'm going to tell myself a different story. Before you were saying, I'm going to look at these rejection letters yeah. and I'll do the fuck you story. And now you're doing a different fuck you. And I mean a good fuck you, but the, to the expectations. You're <laughs> yeah. saying, oh, you think I'm going to fall? Fuck you. Yeah. And you're looking at, at, at Tommy B and going, he's 37. And, and then I guess this is almost the purpose of records is to help you guys formulate narratives. I think it's, it's more than records, though. It's more than records. It's... it's uh it's it's expectations i think it's the challenge of it's the human record is the yeah it's, it's a human record yeah you're, it is. you're looking at hearts not yeah. just numbers <laughs> yeah i think when you can when you can do this for so long at such a high level you can transcend the game and i think that's something that's very powerful in any business and when you can kind of transcend uh, expectations you're really transcending consciousness because you couldn't take your mind to a place where this person could play this long at this level and and then now you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It changes the way people look look at things, and and that's how you can really go down as uh, as a legend. Yeah. Can you tell me? It's interesting. I think the creative. I sat in the sauna. We were talking about saunas, and I sat in the sauna, and it's a wonderful thing for me because you're just stuck in a little thing, and then you go out, and I, I, I was sweating on my table because I was typing something, and I got that feeling of, oh, this is coming through me. Rob, Rob and you may have talked about this. I know Rob and I have talked, Rob Bell, and I've talked about that feeling. Um, a lot of people I've had on the show talk about something coming through them and, and stepping outside of the game. Have you had those Bagger Vance moments? Can you remember a time when you were on the field and... It, it was almost like an accident was happening in that everything slowed down and, and you just kind of was like, oh, this is what we're doing. 
Like I thought it was about something basic. Don't let this this X or this V run into me because I'm afraid. And then you transcend that base emotion and go, no, it's about this. And then you. Yeah, I think I've had a, a few of those, and those are the. It's like a great shot on 18 after you've had a shitty round. You know, it kind of brings you back to golf all the time. Those hmm. moments are the moments that keep you in the midst of the uh, the rough days when you go out and you you know you get uh, rocked a few times and throw a couple of interceptions where you think about well that one time I had those that special moment and for me thankfully it's happened a few times but it's where the game literally slows down and things around you just kind of peel away yeah and I was at the biggest game of my career in the Super Bowl and had a moment like that on a third and ten we were backed up in our own uh, own territory and I threw a ball down the middle to Greg Jennings and it was about as good as I've ever thrown a football before mm. But right before that, I was able to really uh, to harness uh, a memory from practice that week that allowed me to uh, kind of be in the moment and kind of transcend the moment where I knew I had made this throw four days ago, <laughs> and I'm going to make the exact same throw right now, oh and God. we're going to go win this game. And it's it's uh, I think that's why I talk a lot about uh, you know visualizing. Uh, things you know whether it's you break the huddle and you visualize the play really quickly or you're back at the house and you're just thinking about uh, the game plan or stuff that happened that week or stuff that happened you know throughout your career and be able to harness those moments and yeah. that to me is when life and the game slows down is when these memories uh, come to the forefront of your brain and you're in the moment but you're kind of uh, like you said, you're kind of watching the moment as well yeah. because you've already played this out in your head before. So and a visual, like, sorry, go ahead. A visualization would be a—I don't mean to put it down—but a false memory. But you're still seeing it, right? For sure. And and that and your brain, as smart as it is, is also stupid and goes, "We've done this before." Yeah. And then you're you're abating all those assholes in your brain that are like, "You can't do it. This is impossible." There's how many people are in a football stadium? Hundred thousand, two hundred? No, no, not that much. Uh, Green Bay, we're usually about seventy-eight or seventy-nine thousand. Okay, so there's seventy-nine thousand people. Fucking, but you're on the road, and it's even worse, and they're booing. Yeah, it's it's like an impossible thing. So I talked to Gary Shanling about the the concept of no mind. It's the idea of archery, and you and you 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 don't want to actually let go of the arrow. You want it to happen organically, meaning you want to move your mind out of it because your mind is correct and will say. This is impossible. There's 70,000 people here. They hate you. I know some of them are going to be fans, but they're, they're cheering and they're booing and they're distracting. And there's these refrigerator-sized humans that want to hurt me <laughs> that would love to go home to their skanky girlfriends and go, I ended a career today. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's impossible. But when you e- extract yourself from your brain that wants to go, it's all yeses and nos, and get into a more still place does it does it feel like that does it feel like a no mind thing like a like you're talking about remembering a throw you through in practice that sounds like you're not thinking about it but you're you're feeling it you're just slipping into it you're yeah. flowing into it yeah i had a moment this year the one you're talking about the hail mary yeah um you said the wrong prayer before the game <laughs> just say hail mary's we say the lord's prayer i mean we didn't say the hail mary full of grace it's also we, a classic yeah it's a classic yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> Do you say uh, trespassers? <laughs> no. <laughs> what is it? It's, tres- it's trespasses. Yeah. It's uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors is a good one. I th- I think you know now you say it. I think if we polled the fifty three on the team that say it, 
and and had them try and write it out. I'd be ah. interested to see. That'd be a great, you know, that'd be a great thing to do. To That's how we used to test for witches. That's true. <laughs> yeah. In Salem, you'd be like, say the Lord's Prayer, and if you forgot a line, they'd go, "It's a witch." Did you say we? Um, you said we. Oh, I was a reenactor. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about the Hail Mary. Everybody's holding their breath, and I just I'm a big jackass. I keep interrupting. That's <laughs> a moment where uh, you know, kind of like you're talking about it. It's uh, it's an out of mind experience. Yeah. Um, not out of body because I was there doing it, but uh, it's it, for me. It's it's a time where confidence, preparation, and visualization all combine into one. And as I was lining the guys up, I was picturing what would happen in my mind and how I was going to get it done, and then visualizing the type of throw I wanted to make. This is in in real time. Yeah, this is real time, and then having a memory of. Uh, pre-game uh, throwing the same type of passes not as far um, and then an actual throw that I had before an all-star game when I was um, in between high school and junior college that I had thrown and the way that felt and that all kind of combined in a matter of a couple seconds probably that's it and then the ball is snapped and I've said I've, I've talked about how when the throw came off it's like a when you hit a baseball in a sweet spot or when you go, when you hit a golf ball in the middle of the club face or when you uh, shoot a basketball, these are all sports terms. Yeah, here. no, I actually get it. When well. you shoot a basketball <laughs> and, and it just comes off so perfect, you know it's going to swish. That's how that throw felt. Yeah. It was like I made it, but it didn't. I didn't feel anything. Yeah. And, uh, and at the same time, we had you know 70,000 screaming fans in Detroit uh, you know, against us there. I know they cut to these angry fans. Yeah, there's, I was some, like, there's some pretty pretty funny shots. And then they talked so much. I, the clip on YouTube was a minute and a half long, and they show the throw, and then it's just like fucking sweeping shots of the audience. I call it the audience. <laughs> and I was like, just show the throw again. I thought it was going to be a slow-motion throw. Why do I care what some guy in a booth goes like, ah, I'm Detroit. just shut up and show the throw again. Yeah. You have the technology, but you're right. You said it wasn't out of body because you were letting your body do the thing that it wanted to do, literally in your digital, your hand, your memory, in your arms memory. But if you stopped and thought about it, we talk about it like surfing. Rob and I would surf together. If you think about all the things that you have to do the moment a wave is coming, you'd fall, but you're trying to extract yourself from your mind. Without a doubt. I couldn't have, couldn't have said it any better, but sometimes I think about – the thoughts that happen, like I'll watch a, a playback and I'll, and I'll, you know, I'll think if I had thought about the fact that I'm, you know, I'm moving to my left, that affects the throw, mm-hmm. you know, a yard and a half, that I'm uh, off balance on my left foot, I got too much weight on the toes, that's going to affect the height of the ball, um, that, I, that I, you know, have been moving at, uh, you know, rate of eight miles an hour, which is going to make it more difficult to, right. uh, to throw it accurately. If I think about all those different things and the fact that I have to adjust my arm angle to, you know, off of, uh, you know, off of my usual three quarters to be able to throw an accurate ball here, I would never be able to do that. But the, but the fact is when you've done it one time, or I would say that you have ingrained in you a, a subconscious feeling that you've made that throw before uh, in another dimension, life, yeah, uh, realm, <laughs> thought, mind. You yeah. know that that uh, 
it just comes out organically. And I, I, I love that you went there because when I see a boy, a young boy, you playing with uh, GI Joes and running plays, literally my first thought was, oh, he's he's a he's this another life sort of thing. It's like yeah. he's coming to, he's coming again to do it. People freak out about that. I don't really care. I think that stuff is interesting. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. Right? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible. Not that not that uh, you and I need to prove it with the Bible about reincarnation. That I think is very interesting. They they talk about how. Uh, is Christ was John the Baptist or whatever, and they say, like, this boy is born blind. Was it a sin from his sin or his parents' sin? Like, there's all these kind of implications that we've always believed in that. We've had this idea of soul recycling, but in order for control and power, those things were kind of ironed out so we can be like, no, this is it. Pay pay or burn and all that sort of stuff. Where are you at with all that? I, I am a... Uh, First of all, I'd like to open with I don't know, but like I, I tend to lean towards uh, that feeling because I get that feeling too. And I think we all get that feeling every once in a while where you're like, I think I'm doing bigger work than just this one body and just this one life. And I feel like I'll continue to, to do that. Yeah. And that's not to abate, abate. I don't think I'll consciously be like, and now I'm Phil. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think I'll just be fucking Phil. Yeah. And Phil will have an inkling that he's been here before and doing this before. But doesn't that feel right? Doesn't it feel like, wouldn't we just keep grinding? Wouldn't this awareness keep refining itself instead of just being like, flush, gone? So when I see a little boy and I go, oh, he's an old soul. He's back. Maybe you were a general and now you're doing this and it's natural and, and you were drawn towards it. Say the same thing to prodigy musicians and anything like that. So I'm at, where are you at with that? I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I, I don't know, but I think it is fascinating. I was just reading a story the other day about... A guy who felt drawn to a battlefield uh, in the where there's a major civil war battle, yeah, and he goes there and has this overwhelming emotional reaction, and he feels pains in his body in certain spots, and they go back. This is a long story short. You should research it on your own. But he goes back and and he figures out that he looks exactly like ha. a Confederate general who ha. was shot on that battlefield. In Fuck. the places that he was feeling it, but he it's a, he looked dead on. Yeah, to, I got the chili. Uh, yeah, and and there's you know people who would dismiss that immediately Here. as as a coincidence. Well, but, here's the most fascinating thing: we talk about football being binary, and we talk about reducing life into God as a Green Bay fan. You know what I mean? And the pleasure that the human mind has in categorizing and rejecting and accepting. I honestly think it's not so much that people don't uh, believe that story or whatever, or I think it's more that we don't buy – there's a book called like seven, seven Cases of Reincarnation or something, A Study of Seven Cases of Reincarnation, something like that. There was this guy that did hundreds and thousands of them in India. You hear them. They're passed around from time to time. I saw one on Facebook recently that was like this guy in India um, went and found the guy who killed him. <laughs> so he was young. And he was like, I was stabbed and I was murdered. I know where the weapon is. And they found a knife buried. And then they were like, and I know who did it. And it was this guy. And when he saw the kid, he just like went ghost white and he confessed and all this sort of stuff. Uh, we can shave with Occam's razor and say the guy buried the knife and this guy was just a lunatic or whatever. That's fine. But I think the more interesting thing is that people are so quick to reject it because we go, that doesn't fit into the orchestra. That doesn't fit into the melody that I'm singing. So get it out of here. It's inconvenient to me. And I don't want to hear about the magic guy on the on the Civil War thing. And then there are guys like you and I that go, let's be wrong. Let's be weird. Let's have people yeah. listening right now going, Look, the, listen to these two baloney bags. Because it's so much nicer to be in the uh, in the camp that goes, no, I'm, I'm 
towing the line. I don't think that's normal. But if you and I were India, were born in India, people would think it was weird that we didn't believe in that stuff. Without a doubt. I think the, the thing that strikes me about this whole conversation is to me, it, uh, you know, s- people would dismiss that as, uh, as ridiculous talk and, uh, and, you know, whether, I don't know how the words they would use, but, sure. but what I would say is that you don't have to believe that kind of stuff. That's what's great about it. But it's, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to. But, but I think for me, it's a hope. I think it comes down. It's not about it's not about believing in the uh, the crazy or the conspira- conspiracies or the you know the various ideas from different cultures or or just things that sure. are kind of outlier ideas. But for me, it's all about a hope, a hope that what I see every day is not all that there is. Yeah, and that's kind of where I've gotten to the last four or five years is that you know I just believe that there's more going on than what we what we see and there's more going on than what we're told and there's more going on than what we know. Yes. And that hope for me, uh, spurns me on to, uh, to, to use my influence in better ways to connect more with people. Yeah. Um, to love better, um, to judge less. Yeah. And so that works for me. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, Brian Regan, the, the comedian said love something him. that he's, Oh yeah, we talked about Yeah. Him. He said this on this podcast. He goes, how could I be so sure about my beliefs when the next book on the shelf could completely change my perspective? And I was like, that's it. That's humility. That's openness. But we get rigid. We stop moving. You know, instead of being like a river, we become like a pond and the pond gets scummy and gross. But there's something about entertaining ideas that aren't culturally popular or, or relevant or whatever. And that's why I think you and I are both spending our time looking up Cases of reincarnation. And that doesn't even abate my fear of death because that would still mean that Pete has an ego death and he's gone in the way that I know him, but that my essence would continue. That doesn't even, like, please me because I'm still going into some sort of void that I don't understand. So I'm losing my con- – I'm losing my memories. I'm, that, that's the – again, the clinging of, of the crying, retiring player going, I won't – I, I'm I'm closer to death. When I see the guy crying, retiring, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. I'm sure it's emotional. If I had to retire from comedy, I, I would get feel the same way. But you know, like he he's he's thinking about death. I really think you're realizing that you're like, oh, I can't play anymore. That means I'm I'm the old guy now, which means I'm going to die. Which means with me, all of these memories go. That still happens in the reincarnation thing. You don't remember that you were Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I mean the next guy. Oh. <laughs> you do. Phil. Yeah, yeah. Phil doesn't know. <laughs> Phil's going like, I'm yeah. just fucking Phil. I'm a wrench repairman. I repair wrenches. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that idea. Yeah. I like that idea uh, very much. How do you come down after a game? I, I, sometimes I wonder if you throw that pass and you beat Detroit, like what do you do afterwards? You just go whistle I, around a target? Yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> Walmart actually. You hide in, uh, hide in the trash cans in Walmart and jump out at uh, the suspected uh, patrons. But no, actually a friend of mine used to do that. He was a quarterback for us. So. Really? Oh yeah. Well, you, I was going to ask you if the world seems slow because I'm in this place. You, so I'm running this show. And my life is a little bit elevated right now. So then, like, sometimes other things in life seem slower. It's like Fight Club. Everything gets the volume turned down. Mm -hmm. So you're in this world, and I always say this on the show, but astronauts, when they come back to Earth, they keep them underground for, like, 14 days, like in these apartments that they have, because they can't just go home. They've been in outer space. So here you are, 70,000 people, or in Detroit, and 
I can't imagine how that feels. Uh, and I'm not looking for any sort of like, oh, you get shit faced or something. It, it must be <laughs> difficult to come down. You, what time are you going to bed that night? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it takes a couple hours for sure. Hours? Yeah. Burning high. And then... Yeah, but then I just have a nice uh, nice glass of single malt and yeah. Yeah, scotch and then just kind of ease off into it. You know, you know we all like the uh the daytime games, you know, the, the games that start at 12 o'clock in uh, Central Time and That sounds good. Cuz then you can finish the game, you get to go, go home eat. and yeah. relax and most home games you know, got a full house, you know, got uh, you know, you know, four to eight people coming out and Yeah. um and uh, it's fun to fun to hang out with the people that are there after the game and um, you know, have, have some good food, and you know, my buddy uh, Brad came out to a game, brought his wife and kids, and uh, we played hide and seek one night. You know, after a game, it was awesome. You know, we just uh, just messing around and having a good time. The and, two errands, yeah, in one day. Mm-hmm. I got uh, I got a Papa shot in the basement now. A little uh, basketball oh, uh, basketball fun. game. I got golden tea, which is a fun yeah, little sure. uh, game, and uh, ping pong and pool. I'll challenge anybody at that. Um, Namath. I know him. I've met him a couple times. He's he seems like a cool cat. Yeah. Right? I mean, the stories about him back when he was playing and, and that must amazing. be that's like I can it, the stuff that, you know, how he used allegedly would, you know, they'd get off the plane and he'd have somebody picking him up and he'd be gone all night yeah. and partying all night night for the game. That, that that thought would not even register in any player's minds today. Yeah. Well, yeah. because you're the we've seen behind the music guy. Yeah, I have to imagine before a game you're in bed at a reasonable time, even if the team does send over prostitutes, right? <laughs> but that doesn't yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't happen. But yeah, I'm in bed at a, at a normal. You gotta time be. For sure. I, but I'm in a similar place where like comedians in the in the '70s, '80s were we're all coked up and we're all just like acting like the world was never the party was never going to end. And now most people I know like drive reasonable cars you know what i mean live in their means you know yeah. what i'm saying like we've all woken up just a little bit not everybody but some of us have woken up but it needs to keep going for yeah sure. for sure you know it definitely needs to keep going what are you eating before a game you got a full belly out there or is it light it's very light i'm almost starving after the game i need to actually look into that a little bit deeper uh this year i think because um you know what you eat is as you know is is that's your fuel and, and you really got to be more aware of uh, the stuff you put in your body. We got a great, uh, uh, a great guy who's been helping us with nutrition and, and getting us in better places uh, with our health, and just kind of really thinking about the stuff you eat and how it affects your performance. And what what, is, what do you? Uh, I really am interested. For a while there, I what honestly, are you eating? Smoothie? I, well, now, yeah, but I used to. I love uh, peanut butter. Really? And uh, I used to eat uh, peanut butter and pan- on pancakes. <laughs> um, that was kind of like my pregame meal. Now, I don't know if that weighed me down or not. We won a lot of games, a Super Bowl, an MVP doing that. But uh, I see a, a sponsorship in the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm cutting back on that. I do a lot of, uh, you know, plant and, uh, and fruit-based uh, Kind of like a paleo thing or something? Yeah, just, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot, of a lot more raw food and, and yeah. uh, it's not a bunch of carbs and, and uh, well, you and I bonded starches, over that idea, yeah. like eating living food. And then if you're if you're processing it like in a blender, you you save that energy that you would have been spending digesting it. You're also saving the blood, the blood that would have been in your head helping you think, or in our case, not think. But you know, you have to be in an optimal place mentally as well. And if you're digesting, nobody's ever written down anything funny or meaningful after Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 just not happening. You need to have like today. This was an important interview. Again, I'm, I should have said it at the top. I'm honored that you're here. All I've had today is is a smoothie and a, and a green juice because I wanted to be able to get into 
get into the memories and the thoughts and the questions and all that stuff. But if I even ate a fucking sandwich, I'd be gone. I'd have nothing for you. Be like, so you deflate gate? I'd have nothing. I got so. What about? Yeah, you've been on. You've been on today, man. I appreciate it. (laughs) Well, I'm so lonely. You saw me having almost like a manic episode because I hadn't. That was seen. amazing. First of all, <laughs> if I, you bottle, I want to bottle that up. I want to have that before every game. I wish I could have bottled that up too. If I don't see anybody all day and I'm writing all day, and then I and you and Rob and Kristen were the first people I had seen all day, it's showtime. That is, I I, I was like, this is fun. Yeah. It, it was easy. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this is, seems like a crude question for the sake of crudeness. I promise you that it's not. Okay, jerking it before a game. Because that will lower your your testosterone. Really? Yeah, I've never, I haven't heard that. But in a woman, it'll raise it. I asked it Ronda Rousey, and and she says that she likes to have sex before a match because it raises a woman's testosterone, lowers a man's testosterone. Really? The, the Rocky thing. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I've seen Rocky, and eh. I don't. Well, he's like, don't touch her, Rocky. Yeah. You know, they don't have sex. Yeah, I didn't but. This is why I actually think it's not just a crude question. It's an interesting question. Balance that with just take that shit off the table. I've had to be like been trying to write something. Part of my writing process is, is going to be like if I'm horny at all, get that shit out of here. Just it's, it's almost just functional. Pow! And then you're back in the chair. Hmm. And I it, so you have to weigh that. It's like you, you should Google the testosterone thing. I'm talking to somebody who that's actually important to. That's always been an assumption on my part that it gentles you. But then maybe you want to steady your hand. Maybe yeah, you want I mean, to be calmer. I, I do want to want to be calm out there. So I'm I'm never opposed to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I gotta be nice and relaxed out there. So whatever's gonna put me in that state, man. Do you ever envy the guys that catch the ball? That looks fun, right? No. They get to dance. There's no footage of you. I, yeah, I don't. You throw it. Then it's all about them. They're doing a jig. <laughs> They're running in the crowd. Does that. Meanwhile, you're running back over the manager, going like, "Was that good?" Yeah. He's still doing backflips. Well, that's awesome. That's, that's part of the game. I, I set them up, and then they, uh, you know, they make me look good, and then they they get if to they dance. Can dance. They make themselves look good. There's some good dancers in our league. I mean, you look at some of these guys with their touchdown celebrations. It's a, yeah, it's, or it's orchestrated. It's planned out. It's yeah. impressive. <laughs> I could talk to you about like managing. I was I was interested in talking to you about leadership, but we we covered um, that a lot. Maybe we usually save the God stuff for the end. We have twenty minutes left if we're doing a traditional two hour episode, which you know, in respect of your time, it's very traditional. Thanks. <laughs> um, you were raised regular uh, Christian. It seemed like Protestant. Yeah, non denominational. Yeah. Not me too. Non denom. Yeah, and uh, went to church. Yep. A mom's idea, dad's idea, a joint effort. Joint, yeah. It was really? always uh, the you know we'd always the five of us would go. There were those times where I, I got excited. Uh, I, I was never good. Uh, there was no phones obviously back then. I was never good on the daylight savings. <laughs> yeah. So you know it'd be uh, you know fall back and I'd be like, oh my gosh, we slept in because you know there's like four <laughs> Sundays a year where we you know kind of yep. do we call it like home church you know and but what that meant was we get to watch two NFL games that day. Oh, we went to great. church, we could only watch part of the one o'clock game. That's great. But uh, so we'd be like, oh, they slept in. Like, we don't have to go today. That's awesome. And then we'd be like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> let's fall back. Yeah. Actually, 8 o'clock, not 9 o'clock. So we still got to go to Sunday school. But yeah, we went. Uh, but you were raised with uh, like a, a base coat yeah. of like mm-hmm. a higher power sort of idea. Mm-hmm, definitely. I'm, Take it in whenever you'd like. I'm interested. You and I, I think, both had our lives changed by, by Rob. And, yeah. uh, but why don't you take me however the journey lays out for you right now? 
I mean, you know, for me, it was, uh, you know, at some point the faith has got to become your own, um, you know, growing up. So, you know, I went to youth group and different things. A big uh, influence on me was a group called Young Life. Mm. And Young Life uh, is a Christian-based organization that doesn't pres- – that that doesn't really act like one. What I mean by that is they present the gospel in a really non-threatening, mm. interesting way where it's just about loving people and hanging out with people. Really? And I actually volunteered uh, when I was... Isn't it sad that we have to be like, it's Christian, but like, please, don't run away. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it, It's just the love that's, and the hangout stuff. Yeah, and, and, and that's... I know, always say people, people were drawn to Christ. People wanted crowds gathered, and no crowd gathers around... Most of the mofos that are claiming him these days, people run in the other direction. How did we lose it? Without a doubt, I think we lost it because they, you know, lost what uh, what Jesus was really all about. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Please keep going. I'm sorry, I get excited. No, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I don't say this lightly, and I've told him this. But Matt Hawk was my young life leader, and he was the coolest Christian I'd ever met. Hmm. He was the only guy who I was like, man, that guy, he's pretty cool. Like mm-hmm. he talks. Baseball with me and football, and he mm-hmm. swears sometimes. He's like a cool guy. <laughs> like he doesn't three-dimensional judge, person. He doesn't judge any of my friends. Like if I, you know, ever brought a friend, you know, to the church that didn't look or talk a certain way, it'd be like, who, who's this guy? You mm-hmm. know, like who, who brought this guy? Mm-hmm. You know, if a guy had a tattoo, it'd be like, yeah, you can't come to our church. It's like, right? If if they sang in a band that wasn't a Christian base, and I had a lot of friends and bands growing up, it was like. Oh, yeah, you can't play at our church. You There's can't. literally a parable about that. <laughs> Christ told the story about the rich man going to church and everybody giving him the best seat and then kicking out the poor guy. I'm just like, I think about that one all the time. Yeah, so, I, you know, like I said, that movement, I feel like, was very uh, exclusive. And it's like, our way is the right way. There's one one guy, and he believes this. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, are doing anything other than that, you know, if you're speaking in tongues or if you're doing this or you're doing that, you're not a part of this, mm-hmm. you're going to hell. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, so this dude who is like one of my best friends who didn't grow up believing the same stuff that I was taught to believe, you telling me if he never figures it out that he's going to hell? Mm-hmm. Or if he's hit by a car today on the way to Young Life? Yeah, and it, it, it was this, you know, blood on their hands idea, which I always had a major what's, what's problem that? with. It's just like, well, you know, it's... It's their fault. If they, you know, if something happens to them, it's their fault. You know, the blood's on their hands because they, you know, they didn't choose to, to believe in in, uh, in God. And I'm like, what what type of God is that type of God is not interesting to me. Yeah. What about that is interesting to you? What about that is attractive? To right. You? What about and and people, you know, when I've said this to them, oh well, God's not about being attractive. And I'm like, right. well. What type of impact are you trying to make on somebody when you're going to them, whether it's someone on the street who says, you know, who's holding up a big sign that God hates the sinner, mm-hmm. the sinner, or it's, you know, a guy on the Cal campus who used to walk around, you know, hand out pamphlets, little, you know, his little pamphlets talking about, you know, you know, the end is coming near, judgment's coming, and, and repent or you're going to hell. I'm like, mm-hmm. What what about that? To anybody on the Berkeley campus would be interesting to I'm telling you to, to to talk about. I see that, and and there's. You know, there's got to be a multitude of personalities and, and experiences happening in movements like that. I pass one every day on the way to the office, uh, people yelling at the traffic and all that sort of stuff. But I see, because I relate to it, I see a lot of fear and a lot of pain. Yeah. And I don't see a lot of intuition. When people say, I don't think God's about being attractive or, or popular or whatever it is, I don't see a lot of people leaning into that part of intelligence that we don't value as much as I think we ought to, which what makes intuitive sense. Can you trust, can you quiet down, 
get out of your mind like a good throw <laughs> and trust yourself and say, does that bully version of God that is a clan, that is a club, that is binary, that is either or, does that make sense or does the God that's both and, that's more mysterious, that's more, uh, that's harder to nail down? You know what I'm saying? Like you can't just lasso it and pull it to the ground and go, this is our God and your God sucks. And, and like you said, your friend being raised in a different way, the blood's on his hands? I said that when Rob was sitting where you are. I said, if you were raised in India, you'd be a Hindu. And he said, absolutely. That's, that's the cool Christian that I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. And the, you know, the, the thing for me was, you know, just it's like you have to believe that everything that's written in the Bible is the God's honest truth. And that the earth is 15,000 years old or 10,000 years old and that Noah's flood happened and that every, every story in the Bible happened exactly how it was written. Mm-hmm. And if you don't believe that, you're not a part of that. And if, you, if you're not a part of this, then you're going to hell. And right. It's like, and then if you look at the Gospels themselves, they contradict each other. And I used to get so mad when people would say that. I don't mean – they shouldn't be looked in terms of contradicting each other. I mean like if in this one Christ says – if you're not for us, you're against us. And in this gospel, he says, if you're not against us, you're for us. So it's a very different message. Or if in the gospel of Mark, there is no resurrection, just doesn't come back. That's because they're trying to tell you this is, this is something outside of either or. This is something about a feeling and a belief, not, not a fact. Not, not, it's not, as Rob says, it's not a science textbook. Yeah. It's, it's not – keep going. I get excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you 100%. Yeah, yeah. I think the – the change for me was was being uh, in those organizations and 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 going to an organized church and being a part of like an athletes and action group, which even that I felt like was was more exclusive than I wanted to be a part of. Um, and being around people, I think as I got older, who you know, didn't believe that there was any crossover between God and science. Mm. And I think that's that was one really turning point for me when I when I really started doing my own research and get into this world and, and just take a better look at what was going on around me. How can that not be an exploration of God or whatever, or the order or the way or the force, life force, whatever you want to say? How can a scientist so deeply dissecting it and appreciating it and studying it and reproducing it not be a pursuit of at least partially the same thing? How can they not be in tandem? Yeah. I see that. I, I just wrote this this morning. That's what I was talking about. I was like, I feel like scientists are kind of like trying to take a photograph of God, which is great, of, of it. We don't have to say God. And the mystic or the religious person is trying to make a home for it meaning like a space for it to flow through and engage and inspire and overflow. But like, that's fine. One's the violin, that's the experience, and one's the sheet music. Those motherfuckers are very closely tied. And, and the Dalai Lama says himself, like when science contradicts something that, that we've been saying, we go with science. Like, yes, we're all trying to figure it out. Some's in the... And some's in the... You know what I mean? And our friends are both music. Get the fuck out of my face. I get excited. But I'm with you there. You know, it's... it's. I just... How can you not look around and see the... The synergy, you know, that's, I think that's the thing that really appeals to you is that species evolve, mm-hmm. you know, this world is changing and evolving. The universe is expanding. Dark matter is 
you know, exists and it's expanding. We're moving from somewhere. Mm-hmm. We started at something and we've expanded from that. Mm-hmm. So to not... And that to me, singularity that, yeah. that Rob talks about in his new show. Yeah. Exactly. And it all, there's, there's a source and it's expanding and moving and doing incredible things. And it's all connected. We're all connected. We all mm-hmm. come from a similar place. Mm-hmm. Science and religion do have crossover. They are connected. They are mm-hmm. part of each other. And the win and the loss are connected and are part of each other. Yeah. And you and I, and you and the cancer children, it's all, it's all one thing. Ram Dass tells this great thing about this guy rowing his boat through the fog and he runs into another boat and he starts yelling at the guy. He's like, you motherfucker, watch where you're going. And then the fog clears and there's no one in the other boat. It's that sort of idea. It's We were all this singularity. It was all this one point. When you start reducing it, I'm right there with you when you're like, oh, there's a man in the sky, a magical guy. Dipshit. No Who's one white? said that. Who's white? Yes, no one said that. <laughs> yeah. Will you please? We're trying our best to yank this archaic and, you know, I'm just saying old thing into the modern time. And I, please join us. Please yank and your part with us. that's what I love about us. Love Wins was because Rob broke down the idea of hell in there. Yes. Which the phrase is talking about – the phrase used in the Bible is talking about a garbage dump outside of town. Gehenna. I've played Frisbee in it. Yeah. So it's still there. It was talking about a separation. Yes. Not a place. That's it. And when we talk about sin, we're talking about a disruption in the flow of, of, of truth and, and your higher self and all that sort of stuff. We know if I go out and, and murder someone, I'm going to be feeling and experiencing and living in a place that isn't quite right. Yeah. That's why it's called a sin. It's not because it's on the on the scorecard where you go, well, you fucked up and therefore you're going to be punished. You're in hell. You're taking yourself to hell. Yeah. And the root of that, I think, is like you talked about earlier, is fear. You know, it's there's a fear of stepping into something new mm. because there's a comfort, whether it's me stepping into uh, taking a chance and going to junior college. It's, it was mm-hmm. there's a fear associated with taking a step to the next level. In mm. spiral dynamics, it's it's the fear of moving on in consciousness where you have to leave some stuff behind. That's right, right. It's the dark night of the soul. You don't want to leave it behind. And that's that's the religion. There's a comfort in like I believe what I believe, and I'm not going to listen to anything else. And that's if right. I do, I don't know what's going to happen. Like does that mean I I can't be a part of something that's exclusive? That's right. Well, when you realize. There's so much life out there. You're yeah. you're joining the inclusive side. That's right. It was saying, hey, come on. There's so much to be learned and understood and gained outside of your comfort zone. Your village. That's the journey. Yeah. That's every story. Luke Skywalker is on his planet and he leaves. He goes into the galaxy and learns the lessons. And this is what we're all being called to. And as Joseph Campbell, who I'm clearly referencing, says, the question is, will you say a hearty yes to your adventure. And a lot of people, no judgment, I say no to some of the adventures I'm being called to somewhere internally, I'm sure. But a lot of people go like, I'm going to stay, I always say this, I'm staying in the village, it's chicken night. You know what I mean? Because it's dangerous to go into the woods because you don't have a chicken. And now you're eating a fucking leaf and it's painful. Joseph Campbell says the cave you don't want to go in, the cave you're scared of going in, is where the treasure you seek lies. That's what it is. And it's hard to go... Maybe I'm going to look into the Council of Nicaea, or I'm going to look at how the Bible was made, or I'm going to look at another text or another faith or another philosophy. My mom came to my house and she knocked over my Buddha just because that's just, it's the same way that a Green Bay fan would come over and knock over, who's your rival? Chicago. A Chicago Bears thing. I knew it was the Bears hit it. And that's fine. We have three, but Chicago's kind of our Ch- biggest. Uh, it's say. close. Yeah, yeah, it's a close place. <laughs> But, it, but it, it's, it's uncomfortable and it's sticky and it's messy and it's dangerous and it's painful 
and 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 it's frightening. And Christ talking about bringing a sword, bring division, not coming to bring peace is, I think, what he's talking about. He's him and Buddha and and Muhammad are saying, "Come over here. It's messy, and it's leave your leave your nets and let's go." People want to. People would rather eat fish tonight than go. But they don't realize how liberating it is once you. That's right. Take the first step. Fuck fish. Yeah. That's how much fuck fish. It's from adaptation, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you're doing the work, and you're on the. So you're you, you read Love Wins, and yeah. for me it was a revelation. I was like, oh my god, I've been angry at this idea of a god, the bully god, the gatekeeper. You're in, you're out, the binary god, and the non-dual god. That when when Rob talks about that singularity, to the beginning of a show, everything is spiritual too. I guess. Uh, the second one, so it'll be out at some point. He talks about the singularity, the beginning point of all existence. And, and the part that made me cry is like, in that point was you, was me, was skyscrapers, was um, ancient Egypt, was UFOs. <laughs> and, and then he starts going, was your friend's cancer was in there. It was all, all of the information was in that point. So that inclusive God, that not the God where we have to turn a blind eye to suffering, but the some sort of like we were saying earlier, there's no God that I can believe in fully that doesn't include the full experience. That isn't in science. That I need my God to be in science. I need my God to be in pain. I need my God to be in loss. And I need my God to be in, I won the Super Bowl. But I also need him to be in, shit, this is fleeting too. Yeah, and I want my God to love, <laughs> to love uh, all my teammates and yeah. all the races and all the... That's it. Sexual orientations and yes. all the, you know, all the people who wouldn't be allowed into my, my church growing up. Fucking A. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've gotten better at it. Yeah. We talked a little bit about what you think happens when we die. You're open. We don't really know. Today I'm less interested in that question. Do you have any thoughts on that? The, 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 what I think about what happens when you die? Yeah. I think I want to. I want to study more about it. I want to learn yeah. more about it. I don't. I think that uh, that the greatest gift that I've been able to tap into in the last decade of my life is is hope. You know, mm. I think is is that there is hope out there. There's hope for my life, for my friends' lives, for an afterlife. That something something happens. That's amazing and magical and spiritual and and unknowable un- yeah, unknowable mystery, is the yeah. biggest thing yeah. yeah and that uh that you know what am i doing here i think i'm i'm here to to love people in a deep, at a deeper level to realize the connectiveness that we have you know the the closeness that everybody who breathes oxygen on this earth has to each other mm-hmm. and i think there's a responsibility that comes with that to to try and uh, make your space uh, better and step out of your comfort zone often. Fucking a, it's good stuff. Yeah, we talk. Let me look at my cheat sheet just in case there was something I forgot. Good looking. <laughs> it's a confident testosterone cheer. We talked about that. Best quarterback, best man. What don't people understand? We talked yeah. enough about being a quarterback. Is there something you repeat to yourself, either in your life, uh, like a mantra? And I don't mean like a meditative mantra, but like one of mine is what in this moment is lacking. I like to say that. I like that. 
I like to say that the universe is playing with me. That's a really good one. Like I was, I was cursing traffic on the way in, and I was like, "It's always when it's a fucking big one that I can't get there." So here I am, Mister Nice Guy, quote unquote. It's just one of my roles, like you, quarterback, and me. It's all showbiz. <laughs> uh, it's not that I'm not. Well, anyway, so I'm losing my temper, and then I go, "It's just this is it. This is your karma writ large. This is what you're dealing with. This is the lesson. It's not just get me out of the traffic. It's what does the traffic say to me?" So I say, "The universe is playing with me." Is there anything that you carry in your heart? I mean, nothing that I really repeat to myself. I, I just, um, I really like to find ways to be present in moments. Um, and I wish maybe I should have a, a phrase to tell myself that, but um, it's often just a pause. Mm. Um, and uh, a pause and just to look around, to take a moment to to make those memories because I've, I've been thankfully blessed with a really good memory, which hopefully CTE won't, uh, won't take away from me when my football <laughs> career is over. But, uh, the truth. but I'm able, I think to really tap into those moments where something special is going on mm-hmm. and I really want to remember it, whether I'm flying over the Rocky mountains and I see the beauty below me or whether I'm, uh, enjoying the, uh, you know, the, the breeze on my face on a, the seventh hole of a golf event I'm doing or whether I'm just sitting in a meeting and feel an overwhelming sense of uh, um, purpose mm. as I live out to what I've always wanted to do. And I think just trying to take to harness that in the mm-hmm. moment when I, when those feelings come to me that I, you know what, I feel this is just a special moment to just really take a mental memory of that thing and to keep that uh, close to your mind when things are not going as well as, as you'd like them to, to just remember that, uh, you have a purpose, and and this is a a great, a great life and gift that we've been given to, uh, to be on this planet and, mm. and to make a difference. Hmm. Love it. Well, let's do um, the. Uh, this is the the last thing we'll do. Because we do something heavy, out we'll do the speed round. It's real fast. Love it. And then uh, and then I'll ask you the last question, which is light. Um, and this is light too. And, and you can pass. There's no pressure. And I'm here with you if you want to talk it out. Um, but the greatest lesson you've learned about, and I, I just kind of make these up, greatest lesson you've learned about love would be a good one. Uh, <laughs> uh, communicate. Need it. Yeah. <laughs> Are you stoic, Aaron? <laughs> just communicate. <man. laughs> That's all I can say. Greatest lesson you've learned about confidence. Share it. Boom. You just did. Yep. <laughs> Greatest lesson you've learned about leadership. People are always watching. So just remember that um, the way you treat somebody, the lowest teammate on the totem pole, is people are going to watch that and take note. Hmm. And the way they treat, the way you treat uh, somebody who somebody might pass over, uh, will go a long way. And the, and. Somebody's always watching, whether it's uh, nowadays with a person on the camera phone or just a teammate in the locker room want to see how you talk to somebody who just came to the team or or whether you're interacting with a fan on the street. Uh, um, you know, people are always watching and taking notes and think mm. about uh, – th- I think that's all leadership. That's how you carry yourself, and that goes a long way with being able to inspire people. And that's – when you're in my position, you really want to find ways to inspire people. Hmm. I love it. Greatest lesson you've learned about fear. Harness it. The fear of failure is a powerful 
powerful thing. And I think uh, it can be, as much as it can be crippling, it can be uh, harnessed and be a strength. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can find a way to uh, to want to succeed so badly that uh, you don't want that feeling. And I think it can only happen with somebody who's constantly faced and felt that uh, that feeling of failure. You know, I think, but when you... When you've been there and done it, I think it's kind of like taking your lumps. You realize, you know what? As bad as that sucks, I've overcome it. That's right. You're in the club now. Yeah. (laughs) Greatest lesson you've learned about football? That it is fleeting. Mm. It's – I love it. It's great. But the Green Bay Packers began in 1919, and they're going to keep on going long after I'm done playing. Mm -hmm. So enjoy it. Don't get wrapped up in it. Give it all you got when when you're in it. But uh, but it's going to keep on going when you're done playing and, and just realize you're not bigger than the game. You're just a part of it, and you've got an important role to keep it going, uh, especially when you play for a greater organization. But at some point, it's going to be gone, and you don't want to be sitting there going, damn, now what? You know, you want to be going, ah, that was amazing. Mm. That was for a reason, but it was for a season as well, and now it's a new season. <laughs> Love it. And you've been kind of answering all of this in the whole podcast, but the greatest lesson – about God, you've learned about God. That He loves everybody. I guess is the only thing I can say. Yeah, it is the it is a great reminder because I think when I was growing up, that wasn't the the common talk. It was that He loves His people. He cares about. Mm-hmm. But there's other people that He you know that they get the wrath, and that's not a God I believe in. I believe in, I believe in a God that loves a uh, source that loves all of us you know that uh, that wants us to grow deeper uh, in connection to each other and to the planet and to energy and life and and wants to wants to foster those things and and cares about you where you're at and wants to see you continue to grow in consciousness and in love and appreciation and connectedness and and not someone who you know I I always laugh about uh, the people who believe in predestination it's like so what are we doing here if you really believe so, I was born in Enloe Hospital on December second, eighty three, and somebody who's born the same next to me, they you know that person is not going to go through life having appreciation for God and a and a faith, and they don't have a chance. They're going to mm. a fiery place for the rest of eternity. Mm. That's that's not uh, that's not a God I believe in. Mm-hmm. And uh, beautiful answers. Thank you so much. the The last question is silly. There's lots of other silly ones I can ask you if you don't have an answer to this one. They're all on that board right there. Uh, we could do a couple. What yeah, kind let's of, do a couple. What kind of soap do you use? Uh, well, let's see here. Is this a girlfriend a long, situation? Yeah, <laughs> you have to think for of a long time. Like, it was. It was. I used like a high endurance body wash. Oh but, yeah. But uh, we like to use a lot of the Honest Company stuff. So. Uh, is that a company called? Yeah, Honest? it's it's Jessica Alba's company. It's all uh, there's no artificial stuff or dangerous to the environment stuff. I'm a Birds, all. Uh, Birds Bees gag. I like similar, yeah, similar thing. yeah, yeah. All right. So I, I couldn't tell or you. Dr. What it is. All I can tell you is that it says, and I always laugh. It says on the body wash, gluten free. <laughs> I have no idea why. <laughs> you don't want to even absorb it through your pores. Yeah, man. so I'm not eating uh, the gluten when I can. And I'm not putting it on my body either. <laughs> You're going to have to think about this one because everyone says they don't have one, but I, I never believe them. When you lie down at night and you're going to bed, is there something that you catch yourself always thinking about before you go to bed? For me, one of them is sports-related. I'm in a sports arena. The game's over. Every, no one's there. And it's just the <laughs> turning the lights off. 
And I'm just thinking about a stadium being shut down. I'm like, by the time I'm done, I'm asleep. So do you tell yourself any sort of story to help you fall asleep? No, I have a breathing thing that I work on. Dr. Tim Royer? I don't know about Dr. Oh. Tim Royer, but <laughs> what is that? It's trying to sync your uh, your breath to your heartbeat to slow it down. Okay, it's the same type of idea. It's um, I like to sometimes put uh, put like ohms on, like the natural um, vibration of the earth. Yeah, uh, music, and then I'll try and uh, slow my breathing down. There's a there's a routine where you uh, inhale for a certain amount of time and then exhale, uh, and it's a certain amount of breaths per minute. And whenever I do it. I'm out. Really quick. Is it? What's the technique called? Just in case people. I need. Well, I need. I'm, I'm going to have to get back to you on that. I'm, uh. not, I'm not sure what it's called. Oh, my okay. my uh, incredible uh, acupuncturist kind of helped me uh, with this and with other incredible esoteric things that uh, I wish I knew more, more about. But I can. Uh, I can do them. I can't really explain that. Yeah. Who cares? That's fine. That's great. And this is the final one. Is uh, can you think of one of the times you laughed the hardest? You could be a little kid. It doesn't have to be a good story. Just. Last time you were laughing. And you were club the other night. <laughs> That's a very <laughs> diplomatic and kind answer. It's true, man. You were amazing. You were <laughs> Thank really funny. you. That's so kind. Well, I, I'll take, I will take that anyway. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop <laughs> on top. That. Aaron, this was amazing. It went by fast, right? Yeah. Is it, was that two hours, really? It was really? two hours. Wow. Because you get into that. Mm, and you took us there. So thank you. I've never gone there on some of those places, so I appreciate it. I loved it, man. It was it was an honor to have you. And we always have the guests say, keep it crispy. It's just how we close. Keep it crispy. <laughs> You're a football man. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com. 